All right. It says recording. So, all right. How's it going, everybody? Uh, this is episode number two of the Conscious Bodybuilding Podcast. Uh, again, I have my buddy Matt, Matt Bellino on. And um, before I get into some of the topics I wanted to talk about today, uh, I just wanted to say that um, kind of how we're going to do things uh, moving forward. Um, so I, ha I just actually like I just texted Matt, uh, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago about actually wanting to start this thing. And I just sat down and we just did it. Um, it wasn't something that was pre-planned. So I'm working on getting some guests on. I've emailed uh, a couple people at this point. Um, and Matt's going to kind of be my guest host for some of those because uh, uh, as far as like keeping this podcast uh, with relevant and current information, uh, he understands some of the terminology and some of the mechanisms behind a lot of these things that we talk about a little better than I do. So I think it's really good to have him on for some of these. Um, so just be patient uh, as we move forward. Hopefully I'll get some more guests on, more guests of higher caliber. Uh, but it is kind of difficult because we're just starting out on a small page and podcast. So uh, just bear with us and we'll try our best to keep bringing uh, good content to you. So uh, how are you doing today, Matt? Good. Good. I can't yeah. complain, you know. Can't complain. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, you just trained right now? Yeah, I just got done about, uh, I usually start around, uh, give or take, it depends, but around four or five. And, um, yeah, after school, right? Yeah. What did you train today? So today I did legs. I'm doing a legs push-pull, legs push-pull split. Uh, nice. Kind of a new thing I've been doing. I used to yeah. do the row split, you know, the chest, back. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, know, I, I think I got that in your head, like, hey, you should do a little bit better, or a little bit more frequency. Right, uh, right, which has helped drastically, I would say. Yeah, how, how so do you think? Um, like, I think the, the thing I like about it, too, the, the thing I really like is I think uh, it's underestimated when people, when they lift and stuff. Uh, I, I definitely did it where, where I'm lifting chest. I'm like, all right, well, I need to let my chest recover all this stuff. But um, I wasn't really aware of how much food I was eating, the protein I was eating. Um, so it just very depends. I mean, now with the summer, I love summer only because um, my diet is, you know, I, I'm not really doing too much. If I'm going to lab, it's early in the morning. Uh, I'm also doing intermittent fasting. So it kind of works really well with my eating schedule. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I, I go to lab. I try to at least. It's, it's usually around like seven in the morning, eight. Um, so I'll go in. Uh, I, I usually do a lot of preps. It, it's all on my own time. Uh, we have like certain projects and experiments to run, but um, I like doing it kind of at my own pace. So I'll go in the morning, prep for one experiment, run it the next day. Um, but I used to, I used to go in and do a prep and then run the Western blot. And then that'd take me like eight hours. So it'll, it'll mess with my eating. It'll mess with my, yeah. you know, my, my so do you not eat in the morning? Like when's your window of eating? Like once, so, once so you get out? I, yeah, usually, uh, I like the 12 to eight, but, um, I've been doing one to nine lately. Okay. Um, and, and it seems to work the best with my schedule. Uh, yeah. since I'm training around five, so I'm kind of optimizing my you know meals around pre and, and post. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the most important, especially if you're doing that. Yeah. Do you find it a mess with, with your like mental clarity or do you find it? So I've heard some people say different things, but uh, do you find you're just more clear when you're not like worrying about food and maybe you're not consuming food? Um, I think so. Uh, I've been playing around with it a lot recently. Uh, and th there's been times where I've had to break my fast because I, you know, I want to get, I'd rather get in my, my meals and my protein and then just say, you know what, I'll, I'll take right. the hit, you know, cause either way, uh, I'm still, I would say around or if not, maybe a little slightly under maintenance, um, yeah. just diet alone. So you're throwing training on, I'm assuming I'm about, you know, three, four or 500, uh, deficient a day. So Okay. Either way, it's like maybe I'm doing this for like the I, you know I wanted to see the insulin sensitivity and you know. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're going to see that with creating a calorie deficit. Yeah. Um, I think I think the more important thing to point out there, I get a lot of people ask me about fasting. A lot of people in my work do fasting. And uh, the important thing to point out is that it's not like, um, it's not magical. Uh, it's just another way to create a deficit. And I think it's worked for me and I think it works for you in a lot of time where if you're sitting down and doing work, you're not really thinking about eating. Like, But at that time, maybe when you get home, excuse me, when you get home from lab and you're just sitting around maybe after your workout, that's when you tend to want to snack and you want to eat and you're more hungry. So that's how it works for me. Sometimes I'll do work in the morning and my meal spacing, I don't fast, but my meal spacing might go four or five hours sometimes um, while I'm working, but I get more hungry towards the nighttime. So I ended up putting a bulk of my calories there. Um, But I think um, your insulin sensitivity is more so probably coming from um, creating that deficit than anything. That would be my guess. Yeah. The deficit along with the, you know, I, I, assuming with what it does is the long periods of, of the fast where you're not ingesting any, any calories or so your body's right. like, all right, well, we're not, we're not bringing any, any type of nutrient right now. So we, there's no reason for us to even use insulin or right, um, right. Stuff like that. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, 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 I'd have to look into the research. I've heard a little bit. Um, and it, it, I think it's still being studied and it's, there's still stuff coming out about it, but I've heard a little bit about it helping with insulin sensitivity and things like that. Um, yeah. so I would definitely, I would want to look into that more, but yeah, I think for, for, for now, I think it's a great way to create, um, that, that deficit. And if it works for you, because, because a lot of people I know who do it, they overconsume in their window. So like, like if you wait too long, like myself, I wait too long to eat a meal, then I overconsume at that meal, especially if it's not like a tracked portioned amount, right. because it's like, you're just, you're just more hungry. Yeah. So I think that's something to keep in mind, especially if you're thinking about fasting is like, um, do you have that problem? Like, or you, when you go to eat, can you just eat a, a normal amount and continue on with your day? Um, so I think that's one thing I find interesting though. And I, I, uh, for one of the classes I had to write a grant proposal, but I, I focused on, on intermittent fasting because, uh, last semester I started getting into it. But a lot of the studies I read when I, I was doing my grant proposal, I was doing a lot of research on the intermittent fasting. Um, cause there's, there's multiple ways. Just, I don't know if you've heard of the alternate day fasting and the, yeah, yeah, I've heard of different types so, and stuff. That's when I learned more about it. But for the time restricted feeding, which is a tw- you know the the usually the eight windows eight hour window of feeding and then the mm-hmm. um, the rest fast was it's interesting to note because well, all these studies they they didn't uh, fix the calories for the people on the diet, so they could eat whatever okay. they want during those eight hours, which raises a question to me. Well, let's say I do intermittent fasting, but I overconsume calories, right? Um, one thing I was looking for, because it, it, at the end of the day, they said, okay, well, it, it, it is a significant diet for weight loss, but mm-hmm. without tracking that number of calories, it could be a possibility that since the window is only eight hours that they just do not consume, uh, more calories, but they yeah. never did a study that compared it to a regular, let's say, five uh, calories. okay. Okay. Yeah. Calorie calories equated. Yeah. That's the thing with, um, nutrition research right now is like, I would only trust a study when they equate protein. Right. Because protein is kind of like this, it has a thermic effect and it's kind of this variable that if it's not controlled for, it can cause weird outcomes. Right. Um, so that's interesting that they haven't done that yet. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, no, right. I mean, maybe, and maybe we can theorize that maybe there's more lipolysis or maybe more insulin sensitivity when you do eat, but we can't confirm that right. um, based on that. Like, like I really still think like calories are king. Obviously that's shown by what you're talking about. Like if you eat in a surplus, you're going to gain weight, but maybe there are some differences when calories yeah. are equated. I haven't, yeah. I haven't looked into the research, so I don't want to talk on it too much, but 
if you maybe equate for protein and calories, is there maybe differences among the two groups? Right. Um, I know they have done it for carbohydrates, low and high carbohydrate, and they see little little difference when little protein difference is equated. In the long run, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which, yeah, which so because I'm surprised they haven't, and that's why I wrote my grand proposal on is okay. Let's let's say we put one one group of people on the same diet um, as the other group. The only thing we alter is the time. Let's say one group is doing an intermittent fasting, but it's right. where it's it's very hard to do because of genetics you know, maintenance calories. What if somebody's maintenance cal? So you'd have to like, in my head, what if we, you know, calculate um, their, well, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Exact. No, totally right. We calculate their maintenance calories and we subtract 500 for both groups and have the same exact macronutrient breakdown. Let's say like, um, 35% protein, 45% carbs, 20% fat Right. for both, for both groups. But the only thing we alter is the time. It'd be interesting to see if they lose more weight on the intermittent fasting diet or if it's the same. Right. Because if it's the same, then I guess technically the only advantage you're getting would be the insulin sensitivity in this. But it's potentially you know, if even if that proves that as well. And I mean, I think that's probably a, a metric that you probably should test in there too is uh, fasting, glucose, fasting, insulin, stuff like that. Exactly. Um, well, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say percentage percentiles of body body weight and stuff would be good or total calories because percentiles can be different depending on your caloric needs. It would be exactly. more of like fixed amount of protein, mm-hmm. fixed amount of protein. And then with our information about, uh, yeah, it'd probably be fixed carbohydrate percentages at that point, but fixed amount of protein for your body weight. And then, then probably, you know, variants of carbohydrates. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be, I mean, studies are so difficult. Like there's, if you don't account for every single variable, you could totally fuck up the study too, is what exactly. I've learned. Like, it's like, Which you don't account for one little yeah, exactly. Because you yeah. have to follow the science, but I mean, sometimes the science doesn't really translate, you know, which, you yeah. know, you know, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, oh, I was going to talk about, I, I, I was, I tested my fasting. I, I just got my blood work. So I was looking at that before we got on here, uh, with my glucose and my fasting, um, insulin and the ratio of that. I'm going to do a whole video of yeah. talking about it, but, uh, yeah. I've gotten a better range. That's for sure. That's, that's a good thing. I was, uh, people don't understand how bad it is to have high insulin and how many trickle down side effects that has. Um, I think I was like, I was like a nine, which is within range. Um, and I don't want to talk about blood work too much, but, uh, just real quick on that topic. Uh, nine is within range. I think the range is to 28 on, on a panel and, uh, which is too, way too high. I mean, that's probably why some of our, you know, probably attributes to the, the, the diabetic, problems that we're having and obesity and things like that is allowing people to be okay with having levels that high of insulin. Um, but I mean, it affects your lipids. My my whole panel was totally messed up and I, and it was everything I think it was accounted for in my, in my mind, obviously I'm not a doctor, but, um, insulin was the one thing that was really throwing me off is because I had metabolic syndrome when I was really heavy in my last off season. Um, and I've gotten that down to a two, so it's really good oh, wow. Two, I think, I think they're saying you want to be below four to be healthy. So yeah, uh, luckily it's down to a two, my, my ratio. There's, there's also a really cool thing you can do is if you do a panel with your insulin, I did a male athletic, uh, anti-aging panel. Right. And, um, what you can do is you take your fasting glucose, which yeah. either is on your panel or you can take it, test it before. Um, I have like a, the, the finger glucose monitor poker. Yeah. So I tested it before it was different actually. So I don't know what the dish, my blood glucose before was, I have it right here. It's 80 and it was 89 on my actual test, which was a little high. But when I took the ratio, so I took my fasted glucose and my insulin and you plug it into this uh, equation. I don't know what it's called. 
Um, yeah. It'll tell you how insulin sensitive you are based on right. that or, or an estimate. Right. Um, so, and I came sense. up good on that, but, but that was really cool. I didn't, I've never done that before. So, yeah. cause I never knew there was actual tests and I heard someone talking about it. I'm like, Oh shit. Like you can test how sensitive you are to um, yeah. insulin. Depending on how much insulin is released compared to how much your cells are uptaking, how much is it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was listening uh, to this guy today and he was talking about, um, you want your, your fat tissue to be insulin resistant because you don't want your fat tissue to be take up and to carbohydrates. Yeah. And storing yeah. them. That was really interesting. I don't know that how that works, but, um, but I do want to piggyback on that. So, um, last podcast, you mentioned a couple of things that actually kind of stood out to me. I went back and watched it I actually like learned more what going back and watching. It was really cool. Uh, to listen to our it. conversation. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I, I think I passed over some things that were total, uh, like, nuggets of good information. Yeah. Um, but so I want to, to kind of focus on those a little bit. Um, because I think that's such a relevant topic for myself. I think a lot of people are talking about that a little bit now too. I think the, the, the evidence-based community around coronavirus is understanding that, um, the COVID-19, the seriousness of the illness has something to do with, um, diabetes and stuff like that, but it's really relevant in my life. That's all I'm saying, I guess. Um, yeah. but anyway, I wanted to talk about, uh, carbohydrate, carbohydrate metabolism, um, and how it applies to bodybuilding. And then I wanted to also ask you, I have it written right here. I also wanted to ask you about, uh, nutrient timing after that. So first, gotcha. like how, how does carbohydrate metabolism on a maybe biological level relate to bodybuilding? How can we maybe apply it? Um, any, any maybe inf information you have on that? Um, or yeah, so on the, um, in metabolic regulation, uh, I think it's important to understand, first of all, the, the macronutrients, because realistically, it all comes down to the macronutrients, and then everything trickles down. So right. in terms of carbohydrates, it's important to know we have a range of carbohydrates. You know, you have starches, you have simple sugars, you have complex grains. So it's all, um, and it comes down to, to the same thing, is every carbohydrate is, is damn near the same. The only difference is the timing on when it's actually metabolized, how much energy is released. Um, but it, you take a grain of, of like a gram of sugar and a gram of a rice carbohydrate and it'll give you the same amount of energy. But the difference is how fast is it broken down? How quick does it produce energy and how quick do you have to use it before it says, all right, well, this guy doesn't need this energy. Let's store it for fat for later usage or glycogen yeah. or, or whatever. So when it comes to bodybuilding and, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, I wish we could, you know, in class, you know, I wish I could just pop off with questions. Uh, what about, you know, this or that or this? Yeah. So it's very hard to, you know, you, you have to apply it because everything in class is applied to the basic normal diet, the, the, the basic human. Because I, I hear a lot of people, for example, quick, quick example, a lot of people are like, oh, well, the, the intake for protein, you should only be, you know, I guess 50 to a, a certain amount of, you know, 75 grams. Oh, dude, that. That was one of the, I ended up dropping my sports nutrition class yeah. because I was so yeah. frustrated about that. Um, that was one of the things where it's like the, the, the RDAs for that stuff right. is just ridiculous. I was like, you want me to eat 80 grams of protein? I'm like, I've been doing pretty good on like a gram per pound for a while right. now. I don't know. I know that's anecdote, but. Right. Um, yeah. but, but the beauty of it is it, even scientifically with protein, at least, is if you don't use that protein for, for, you know, muscle building and stuff like that, protein itself as a macronutrient could be used as energy. Right, that, gluconeogenesis, no, right? Right, right. So a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, if, if you eat too much protein, you probably end up, you know, pooping it out or something, which isn't true. 
your body right. will store that. It does something it with it. it. It'll yeah. either, you know, and a lot of it's DNA synthesis, nu nucleic acid synthesis, the proteins are, because remember, the central dogma goes from DNA to RNA to proteins. Yeah. Which is all genetic. You know, even the protein level is genetic, um, not the macronutrient itself, but on, on to back to the carbohydrate metabolism in terms of bodybuilding. Um, and especially in nutrient timing, because I think they, they, they go hand in hand. Um, which, you know, a lot of people, they say, oh, well, I need to hit 300, 400 grams of carbs a day or something. And they're eating, you know, the wrong carbs at the wrong time, you know? So, uh, the first thing that happens on the biological level, the biochemical level in your body, when you ingest any type of carbohydrate, first it goes down to the stomach, it, you know, it's absorbed through the intestine for, yeah. for whatever the carbohydrate metabolism it's taken to the liver and it's converted to glucose. So every, every carbohydrate is first converted to glucose so it can enter the metabolic pathway, whether it's glycolysis. And, and to stop you right there, sorry to interrupt. So my question is, um, excuse me, um, fructose. So does fructose. fructose just stop at the liver? Is that how that works? Do you know? So, so fructose is another thing. Um, so fructose, sucrose, whatever, um, whatever sugar. So it, it, all, it all depends on glucose is simplest. It's a, it's a, it's a six carbon chain. Right. Uh, or it could be five. I, I don't really remember, but something like fructose is, um, is also pretty simple, but it's not as simple as glucose. So once it gets taken to the liver, your body will cleave the certain bonds in it to convert it over to glucose. Um, okay. So it's, is it stored for later in the liver? It, 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 it usually depends. There's certain things called, um, there's substrates, but they're, uh, it's not substrate binding it, it it's allosteric regulation so if your body has let's say uh, i eat a super big meal and then I, i'm still like oh fuck it let me go get some snacks right my body is going to break down that food but right when i throw down more carbohydrates there's enzymes that say wait 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 whoa we have way too much of this already we're still breaking this down so what it'll do is it'll take those uh nutrients and it'll convert it it'll shuttle it to another pathway for another for another oh, okay. one, one example I could give, and usually that doesn't happen. Usually your body will break it up. We'll, we'll break it up, make energy out of it. And from there, whether you, if you don't utilize that energy, let's say it's going to say, all right, well, let's store it for later usage, either in the muscles, it's glycogen and the liver is glycogen. Or if there's just too much glycogen there, it's going to turn it into fat. And fat say, right, yeah. we'll store okay. it for then. I hope that did that. No, answer? that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of using it where it needs it for the most right. part. Pretty much. Yeah. Cause, cause it, people don't understand and anything you put in your body, you, whatever you poop out or whatever, it, it, it's going, it, that stuff, it's not like you're pooping calories out, you know? Right. Right. That'd be great. You unless know, you're taking, great. unless you're taking metformin something <laughs> that causes malabsorption. Right. 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 We actually learned a little bit about metformin. I don't know. If oh, they, really? Do they use metformin? And I, I guess it's an insulin medication. I've taken it before. Yeah, or not insulin, uh, a diabetes. I think they use it for diabetes. So diabetes for insulin sensitivity, but the the I don't know the exact mechanism. Right, but well, it's it, funny because it's still unclear. We were talking about it. it was oh, really? Yeah. And the That's mechanism of action is still kind of unclear, but we know yeah. that it, it works for some re you know. So I thought I was like something you know, about malabsorption of it, it, malabsorption carbohydrates in the small intestines. So is it, is it fiber or is it certain? It's not fibrous. I don't know what. Here, let, let me look. Okay, hold on. I have it right here. Oh, nice, nice. Let's see if I can get the. Uh... 
let's hope that the, uh, you know how they have the uh, little packet in there that says what, what it is and what it does. Yeah, it's, I remember, uh, there's a lot of like, uh, pre-med in that class and, and I remember our, uh, this is to make some Oh, yeah, our professor was like, all right, well, uh, true question. What does, what's the, the mechanism of metformin? And everybody was kind of caught up and stuff. Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, I don't know either. You know, like we don't, we don't really know yet. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Nice. You know? I didn't keep any of the original boxes. Shit. Because it usually comes with that stupid packet that tells you what the mechanism is and it'll have a trial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, nothing, unfortunately. Are we looking at metformin right there? Yeah, these are metformins. Yeah, nice. Um, sustained release, 500 milligrams. Yeah, I, shit. I'll, I'll have to look for them later and find that packet when we talk about another episode. But yeah, usually yeah. they have the little little thing. Maybe they had some idea. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, malabsorption of carbohydrates, which is, is something you don't necessarily want as a bodybuilder. I just took it because I was a little more in a health conscious time. Right. Um, sometimes when I have like a too big of a cheat meal too, I might have one because I'm yeah. like, my body's not going to utilize 800 grams of extra carb, you know, or however yeah. many. Yeah. It's going to store influx. it. No way. It's going to store it. Right. I, I used to think that like, and one of the reasons why I've been able to maintain such a lean, leaner physique is realizing that foods have, don't have magical properties. Like you don't eat a muffin and get a pump. Like yeah. it's the stupidest yeah. fucking thing. Great. <laughs> that that no, but I mean, I mean, if you're depleted, yes, yeah. You, yeah. you you know, you if you're like really, really like stage contest lean, and you eat something that's really calorically dense, which yeah. um, people don't understand, a muffin is fat and carbs. It's not just carbohydrates. Right. Um, you'll you may get like a pump. You may actually because your body is your sensitivity and the way you utilize that is so much uh, like greater when you're, when you're depleted. When you're but, depleted, right. Well, that's but, one thing. Um, I don't know if I looked specifically at the study, but I was looking at um, something. Don't, I don't know what it was through. I'd have to take a, another look. But from what I remember, they're saying, let's say you train fasted um, and, and you have your protein shake after. It's, it's weight. I mean, that's the first thing your body gets broken down. It's going to absorb way more of that versus – Let's say you eat a meal pre-workout, uh, which I mean, I think you should do, but let's say uh, you have a protein shake after is your body still breaking down the previous meal and everything else. So it, it, it's still being absorbed, but there's more things being absorbed with it in the intestines. Not, you have uh, influx of carbohydrates, I'm sure proteins and stuff versus right after your workout, your muscles are depleted. Your cells are like, oh God, we need some sort of nutrients. You down a protein shake. And your body's gonna say, "Okay, boom, let's go. Let's, yeah. let's you know." I mean, I've definitely run into that problem when I'm massing and I'm just trying to shove oh, yeah. tons of food down, and and sometimes meals overlap. Uh, sometimes yeah. I'm not digested with fully with the last meal when I go to eat the next meal, and I I can only imagine, and I and I assume this is probably you know true is your body doesn't necessarily waste it. I mean, maybe it does sometimes, but it's gonna get absorbed. It's probably just not gonna be as efficient as if right. you gave right. it the proper time to clear allow the next amount of food to come in right yeah um, oh absolutely it, they're all they're all uh the enzymes are see that's the thing our body's so advanced it's it, it knows exactly what to do oh this guy overate too much you know like it gets to a point where there's certain enzymes that their feedback mechanisms they'll tell this this because uh, there's some steps in glycolysis i mentioned in the previous one they're irreversible once they pass this certain enzyme and it catalyzes into something else it needs to go down that pathway 
So there's enzymes at the previous step that say, hey, whoa, 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 we have a lot already. Let's take this, this precursor, before we convert it to, you know, the final ir irreversible step, make it go down this way, we'll shuttle it down to this pathway and we'll use it for nucleic acid synthesis or we'll use it for, for muscle, you know, muscle building or, or something other than producing ATP. You know what I'm saying? And it gets to the point where let's say I'm eating too much sugar, sugar, sugar. After a while, the, the buildup of those sugars and en the enzymes just say, all right, th this is so much. We're going to go into uh -oh, protection mode and we're going to, you're going to throw up, you know, have you ever overate, overate, you feel sick, you throw up. It's your body. Oh, Look, we have too that, much energy. Yeah, I'm sure. That happened this, that happened this last off season. I just, but I think yeah. I got to a point of like systemic overfeeding where yeah. I had metabolic dysfunction. I had all the, 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 the blood pressure started to go up lethargy throughout the day. Yep. Um, it, this is like the, the trickle down of that if overconsumption over a period of time when your body isn't utilizing, like it's not that my consumption really changed. It's just like my body just got, I don't know, bombarded too much for too long. Right. Um, and now I know what to do when that happens. Like you do a mini diet, you bring your calories or your carbohydrates down in half for a couple of weeks to get resensitized. But right. I was just like, I'm just going to keep pushing. And so I had a lot of that and I had, you know, I, no, no appetite. Uh, I was gagging on my food and I would be at the gym. I would throw oh, up yeah. or get close to throwing up. Um, so yep. yeah, I mean, I, I've experienced that for sure where I'm just kind of pounding food and, and eating on top of of a meal and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad you gave some, uh, background as why that is. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it causes, I mean, it obviously did with myself and it does with other people is systemic problems over time. If you chronically do that, you know, acutely, yeah. like just doing it for a day, you might throw up, but then right. you're looking at, you're looking at serious problems if you do that over a, a long period of time. And I mean, I think that's oversaturating the receptors and then, you know, problems diabetes. like these, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, high buildups of plaque in the arteries and, oh, and yeah. hosts of other things. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good either uh, at all. I know that for a fact. So yeah, definitely yeah. something I want to watch in the future and stop trying to be like a meathead and like, I'm just going to push and get bigger. And it's like, you need, you need your, you need your insulin sensitivity to get big. Like people don't, you know, they forget about that and they get to a point where they are really hindering themselves. You're not, you're not properly, uh, digesting and assimilating the carbohydrates that you're consuming so right and then you're not restoring glycogen properly and stuff like that so there's a load of problems when it comes down to carbohydrate metabolism if you don't utilize it correctly you know yeah i think if you can get to a point you you build your body up to that and and oh, yeah. and if you're if you're at a point where you're eating 800 grams of carbohydrates and you're not like you're just topped off like your your body doesn't have a demand for it right your body doesn't have a demand for it or you know, you've gotten to a point where your body maybe has been bombarded too long with too much food. It's time to kind of pull back for a little bit before you can do that again. I mean, it right. takes time. You, you don't just, you don't just become Jay Cutler overnight eating 1200 uh, grams of carbohydrates and utilizing all that. I mean, right. I think you can, you know, you want to get the most out of the least if you can, and you don't have to be eating ridiculous amounts. And, you know, once you start becoming elite, yeah, you want to be able to train your metabolism, so to speak, to be able to handle that load of food. Okay. Um, I was watching a video by Jeff Nippard oh, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he puts out great content. And he was talking about uh, a study, and it would take me forever to find it, but um, where they talked to, it was like a kind of a case study, and they asked top-level bodybuilders 
um, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, they asked top level bodybuilders, um, uh, like what they, how many carbohydrates they ate and they, they correlated the winningest bodybuilders, like the, the guys placing the highest shows were eating the most carbohydrates going into the shows, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I mean, I don't know if we can draw any conclusions based on that, but they are, maybe their, their actual muscle size has something to do with the carbohydrates that they're able to actually assimilate and, and u- utilize correctly. Um, I, I, I can only hypothesize that, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I would assume you're not going to look very big if you're only dieting down to a show for 50 carbohydrates. So, right. Right. You're not going to look full or you're not going to, you know, the muscle bellies aren't going to be full and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think, I think some of these guys out of Kuwait, uh, I've noticed, I've listened to like Brandon Curry talk about his coach oh, yeah. and, um, I've, I've worked with coaches in the past and they'll run you down for a long period of time. So like they'll run 50 grams of carbs or zero grams of carbs, uh, for long periods, extended periods. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting listening to Brandon Curry's coach and you know, like all those guys out of Kuwait here, let me pull up them on the screen. Yeah. Um, Kuwait's getting into bodybuilding pretty, pretty heavy over there. They got a great bodybuilding scene over there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of, athletes. I don't know. I don't know. Would you, if you, if you got an invite to Kuwait, I mean, you're not as body like into bodybuilding as I am, but if you got a invite to Kuwait, would you take it? Would you, um, you know, man, I think it, I already kind of live in a bubble here. Yeah. It's hard to say. It, you, you know what? You don't, you don't realize what isolation like that would do to you. I mean. Right. Um, let's see. Let's say oxygen gym. No, let's say Brandon Curry. I, I think that it might have an inverse effect if you're someone who can't handle that, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, dude, again, like just your mental health too has such a big role people are starting to finally understand um in terms of hormone release and certain things like that damn he looks really good man yeah so okay if i can get the source image shit okay yeah i mean a lot of their athletes uh and i it would take me a second to find victor martinez yeah, uh, yeah. But when Victor Martinez went out there too, it's just they're the just Olympia. so full. Yeah. But I was listening to what was that? He won the Olympia too. No, Victor Martinez. Uh, did he? Um, he won one year, didn't he? No, I think Dexter won one well, year. I think he got uh, really close. Dexter, Dexter Jackson right. got won one year. He snuck in there, but he got yeah. Victor. I think got really close one year, and so that was he did a comeback and he went to Kuwait and he had the same like this fullness. But I'm kind of starting to realize that one thing that these coaches do is they, they manipulate carbohydrates a lot. But what, what, what he, his, what Brandon was saying his coach does is that he, um, anytime Brandon got too flat, he would, he would load him back up with carbohydrates. He said his coach doesn't like seeing him flat. Right. Which is really, really interesting. Um, and I don't know if that has, and then, and then they're dieting into these shows on ridiculous amounts of carbohydrates and they're using the workload to kind of fuel the the fat loss. Um, right. So I don't know. They're kind of doing things a little differently. I think the isolation has something to do with it. Let me stop. Yeah, it could very well. Could I think be. the isolation has something to do with it out there, you know, maybe access to better drugs, which may be part of the equation. And then, and you know, some of the knowledge that they have, um, out there, yeah. but yeah, that's, re- that was really interesting to hear about that. And another guy, Patrick tour right now, who's coaching like, um, James Hollingshead and, and, uh, Ian Vier, uh, Chris, Chris Bumstead's coach. Uh, okay. and a lot of these guys that are really full. Yeah. He, what he does is when they get, like I was talking about with that, that symptoms of metabolic dysfunction or they're getting not utilizing carbohydrates, 
uh, he'll mini diet them and then push their food back up. And it's in, it's kind of translating to this really full round, um, muscle belly. On the physique, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it could very well have to do with maybe restarting the whole insulin, you know, dropping carbs down, keeping the glucagon somewhat high yeah. and insulin very low and steady. Yeah. And maybe, maybe carving up your, your body just kind of re, you know, Whoa, it's, a, it's, here we go again. And then, right. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's ready, ready to go. I mean, the same thing with, if you're using anabolics is you don't run them last all year, you, you take breaks periodically. And then, I mean, even Stan, um, you know, I worked with him for a year, but he was talking about how he works with, um, the strongmen, And he said he has to bring their weight down for a period of the year or they will, they'll, they'll become problematic. Their body can't handle it and they can't uh, digest and assimilate carbohydrates correctly and things like that. So, I mean, it has to be a balance. And and, and I mean, cause I was thinking, I, you know, I was wondering, I'm like, damn, well, well, if you could cut year round or if you could bulk year round, why don't people do it? You know, it's, it's like a cycle. It's just not healthy for the body. No, I think the body is kind of like cyclic like that. I mean, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's just like, it just can't handle being there for too long and you need right. to just take the some time off. Break. Yeah. You know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're pushing your cortisol up, uh, your body. I'm sure. Automatically, I'm, sure. I'm sure it's working over time. Your liver's trying to, because regardless, homeostasis is going to say, you know, like your body's going to maintain the same internal temperature that it's going to break down food. It's going to do certain things. But right. uh, you put it under stressful conditions or other, you know, you know, let's say you add on certain conditions to put more pressure on the body. Yeah, it won't change right away, but you, you're making it work twice as hard. Uh, you might be hindering recovery. Yeah, um, yeah, most definitely. I think that's why what you do is you kind of like you push up to this, like maybe a new weight. Say you're trying to, to mass and you push up to a new weight. Right. You maybe hold that for a little while. Yeah. Um, or you may come down a little bit, like reduce your carbohydrates, but then try to hold that weight for a little while and try to make that kind of your new level. Because if you go up here, it's going to be, you know, that's going to be a shock to your system. And then if you can hold that baseline for a little bit longer, I mean, look at it, it's worked for me on this, like, like my weight, my settling point right now, I'm sitting around 236, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or so. And that's, you know, I've done that to myself. Like, I, I probably my settling point before was 175 or something like that like it's taken years to do that but now this is where my body is like comfortable sitting at like this is where I um you know kind of just hang around well I would probably say a little bit heavier 240 I still kind of have a big appetite here Um, but my settling point is you know I've manipulated it to be able to be that high um from you know years of going up and down going up and down um so yeah that's interesting um on that so I kind of intercepted you there with the carbohydrate metabolism um, is there anything else like, so past the liver, right. Turn on Siri. Hold on. Uh, past the liver. Is there anything else like that we should be aware of or I don't know. Um, so yes and no. So, um, the, once it gets to the liver, um, that's it, that, that's pretty much where the normal routine for every carbohydrate, uh, starts. It, it's usually glycolysis. Um, you, there, there's, it, if you look at it, it's, there's pathways, it's all branched, you know, it's not like you have like eight pathways and it chooses one and goes down it. Right. So you got one that branches off into a bunch of other things, depending on whatever enzyme or step it's at. So what, let's say you eat a grain of rice and stuff that the, the breaking down make, what makes it slower and it releases energy slower is the time it takes to convert it over to glucose in the liver. So you're getting more of a, a steady, 
um, breakdown of carbohydrates, which is good because you're not, you know, it's, it's your insulin isn't getting spiked because there's not so much blood sugar entering it at one time. It's a little right. by little keeps the insulin steady. So, you know, it, you could do bodybuilding. It's beautiful when you know how, what, how carbohydrates work and how to use them properly because you know, uh, like insulin spiking, certain things you could eat. If you have your carbohydrates totally messed up, you could eat, be eating the same amount of carbohydrates as say you're eating 300 a day. Uh, and the other person could be eating 300 a day, but they could be maximizing the timing and whatever type of carbohydrates they're using and just get way more gains. Due to yeah. You know what? I, I agree with that. So, um, the, the scientific community, there isn't a consensus on this right now. Um, uh, because when you're looking at total calories, which calories are king. So if you consume right. that 300 grams, um, like the, if it fits your backers crowd, will probably argue that it doesn't necessarily matter when you consume that. Right. Uh, to an extent, I don't think, I, I don't want to like make this argument that like the, if it fits your macros crowd is stupid or like they don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, or they're just like, you know, it just, nothing matters. I think that's what kind of people try to put them in this box of like, it's just, just calories. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think that, that that there are some people who are like, you know, more evidence-based in their approach with if it fits your macros. But right. um, I would definitely argue that there is some optimality and it's not going to be like, if, if you're not losing weight, don't look at your carbohydrate timing first. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like look at your total calories, right? Don't, don't okay. think that it's inherently carbohydrates first. Now, right. if you are maybe a bodybuilder who is like trying to maximize the amount of carbohydrates that you're digesting, assimilating, that are getting shuttled to your muscles, then I think that's where that becomes really important. Or an athlete, that's when carbohydrate timing becomes really important. Absolutely. I don't necessarily think that general pop, it's too important, uh, although it may be, and, it, and if maybe it affects, say, um, those, those spikes and drops do make you tired. I know I was just hanging out with a buddy of mine uh, the other day, and uh, his girlfriend was saying that like she'll eat a large uh, amount of carbohydrates, and I'm sure a lot of people agree with this. Like After like Thanksgiving dinner, you eat a large amount of carbohydrates and you get tired. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So it's got to have some effect. I mean, or even just yeah. a large bolus of food. I'm actually happy you said that. I, I shoot off on a quick tangent. It's actually funny because they're, they're looking at like over a Thanksgiving meal. They're like, oh, the turkey makes you tired. The, the trip, tryptophan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tryptophan. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. that. But it's actually, that's not true. There's more tryptophan in chicken. It, what, right. what usually makes you tired after Thanksgiving is all the fucking calories you're consuming. Yeah, the bolus of food. I mean, you're eating so much food that your body's like, Fuck, man. You know, you know what? Uh, you know what? Maddie brought this to my attention when I was when I was bulking. Yeah. Why I was becoming lethargic. Oh, think yeah. about it. Like, I mean, uh, it's your. I I think this is what it was. I, I I can't remember, but your brain relies on glucose for energy, right? Yes. Um, yep. And and if what I mean, and obviously a large amount of uh, blood volume goes to your stomach if you're constantly digesting food. So like what's happening, like your, your blood is not in your, your brain. It's, it's in your stomach digesting all of the carbohydrates. I mean, that's where it all shuttles to. It's trying to take care of this, this mechanism. Right. Um, and, and she was saying that might, might be why, like I was kind of fogged up and like why I was tired is because, um, one, I may I not be shutting that glucose, uh, as effectively, but two, it's like the blood is in my stomach. It's not other places because it's too preoccupied with digesting food all day. When I'm right. constantly throwing food at Constant it, so signal that's on. Like, for example, there's certain hormones that say uh, that regulate certain proteins to say, "Hey, look, he's getting food. Get ready to start digesting. Get start get ready to start breaking stuff down." So, um, and, and here's another another thing on why I don't know if I mentioned it the last podcast, but like the keto 
ketogenesis diet. Yeah. Um, the reason why it works so well when you're depleting so many carbohydrates is it's a, it, it turns on a whole different metabolic pathway that isn't supposed to be turned on. So uh, it turns on ketosis. Right. Which remember, as you said, the brain can only use glucose. So if you're not ingesting glucose, it's got to convert it. It right? has to make glucose. And what it does is it makes glucose from fat because it yep. can convert glucose from fat, but not as, not as efficiently as, uh, right. It, it's not as available. Yeah. Yeah. They always say that the, the general rule of thumb is that carbohydrates are the preferred energy source of the body over fat. Yeah. Specifically the brain too. Right. Especially the brain. You right. can't, if you eat fat and, and we didn't have the ketogenesis mechanism, we would die. Die, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our, our brain would be like, all right, there's no more glucose. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Luckily, glucose. the body's really good at adapting to Oh, yeah. Things. Yeah, our body would say, all right, well, no problem. We'll just convert uh, all the fat we have um, back to... And maybe, and maybe some of the... What, what is like the hierarchy? Like, would it go like glucose, protein, and fat? Or like, like is there a hierarchy? Like, or, it, or, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, in terms of, because it's hard to understand too. Like it, it, it depends on, on, on what's happening and what you're doing. So if I'm sitting down, let's say I'm sitting down all day, I'm not doing a thing. Um, it, it, I could eat proteins, I could eat fat, I could eat uh, carbohydrates, sugars, anything. But regardless, it's going to break it down as energy first. The first thing it's going to do is it's going to go to the places where it needs to go first. So usually it, it, it gets absorbed in the cells because even though I'm sitting down, I'm just kicking it. My cells are constantly working, you know, and they yeah, need yeah, most definitely. That, you know, that's just to that's sit up even if calories in, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's hard to say I, if I, in my head, what would make sense is, is let's say we're depleted. Our body's trying to re, you know, turn on protein synthesis, trying to maximize gains. We have a bunch of micro tears in our, we just work out. I'm sure that the protein would get utilized and be absorbed directly by our muscles first. Right. You know? So you're kind of saying what's, what's currently going on. It's going to fulfill that, that the needs for that mechanism first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, the, the, it probably you know, is different when you're trying to go to sleep versus when you're awake or when you're waking up. Right. Correct. So, correct. But, okay. but, but, but even when you're sleeping, you know, just, just to be sleeping, breathing, growth hormone is starting to be effective. Yeah. You know, your body's always saying, all right, well, we have, let's convert this as energy and let's utilize it in the mitochondria cells, you know, let's right. do package certain nutrients. So um, even if we're not doing anything, the body still needs energy to, to carry out normal function. Most definitely. I mean, that's why uh, your, your BMR and I can't remember what the other term is, but the, 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 the BMR and the other one that, that exists is the difference between sitting up and laying down. Because okay. there's a calorie difference that you expend from literally the musculature that I use to sit up, um, yeah. and then obviously to fidget, like you know, move my hands and stuff. Right. Um, it's different. Like you use more calories to literally sit up or to stand. So, right. Um, right. And that's why people are that's using right. standing desks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Think about people with different weights. They have different maintenance calories. It just means by them standing up, depending on how much they weigh, depending on something else, they need yeah. a they need a different amount of calories lean, you know? lean tissue and, and fat mass and things like that yeah. all that affects the i, I the think total. i saw a study lean tissue is like the major energy um i think i think the leaner the more lean you are the more muscle you have the more energy and glycogen it can store which yeah, yeah well, you know muscle is such a, uh, an active tissue right it's like it yeah. requires it requires a lot more energy than fat because fat kind of just 
that just kicks sits it there, right? You yeah, know? It just it until it needs yeah. to be used. Muscles like active tissue. It, it always right. requires it energy that. and glucose mm-hmm. and all that. So that would right. make sense. Yep. Um, I mean, that's why some of these bodybuilders can get away with eating ridiculous amounts of food and, and, and actually utilizing it and not getting fat. Um, so yeah, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I, and then I asked the question in class because it, it's interesting to know, let's say it, I have to search it up too. I'm sure there's studies on it, but it, it's tough depending on funding and stuff, but it'd be interesting to see, let's say you're 200 pound, the same amount of body fat as somebody that's 150. You have greater lean tissue. Could you store more caloric glycogen versus the other person? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really interesting. What I for, feel like you can, because that's why maintenance calories goes up for a person that's heavier, especially if they're leaner too. Yeah. Um, by them maintaining more calories, I'm sure you could store my, more glycogen in the muscles. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I, you would think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's probably some caveats to that. Like, uh, yeah. uh, what's the thing? Like, uh, I can't think of the term right now. It's basically when you have, oh, it's a high flux of uh, energy consumption. So like you, you're consuming a lot of energy, but you're also expending a lot of energy and you're utilizing it. Um, that's yeah, that that, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you do though. I mean, if the actual size of your muscle, like where do, where do, um, the receptor, like where do, where does uh, glycogen, like the storage, where does that sit? You know what I mean? Um, on the muscle, do you know? Um, I, from what we know, it, it's stored. There's only two primary um, glycogen storages. One's in the liver, and the others are in the muscles. I don't. Do you know, know like where it is on the muscle? Like, is it like, or or does it expand, or like, do you grow more? Uh, is I, that that's kind of what you're asking? We didn't asking, get that. Yeah, that's what you know. what I'm saying that's what I yeah. want to know. Is is because I would assume the bigger it gets, the more muscle cells you have. You know, as you get bigger, the more muscle cells you have, and the, the more glycogen is stored. Yeah, I just wonder where the actual glycogen is stored right. on the tissue, and as as you grow, like we were talking about, uh, I mean, if you're talking about like hyperplasia, the growth of new muscle cells, do you also have the capacity growing with that of of those muscle cells? Those, I would, it would make sense, right? You get more, more, and even a new muscle cell, and now you can actually store more carbohydrates with that. Um, right. You know. Right. So yeah, that, that, that would be really interesting. I've heard Milo Sarka talk about it a little bit. He's mm-hmm. like the total insulin carbohydrate dude. And oh, yeah. um, I, I don't know what the number he was saying. He was saying like, you know, X amount, like 80 grams of carbohydrates is what um, um, uh, your muscle stores. But he his demands, like the amount he pushes into his athletes, obviously with exogenous insulin, he does like sometimes mm-hmm. 200 grams of carbohydrates in a workout. Um, okay. pushing in them. So I don't know. He probably feels that the need is much higher for them. Yeah. I'm sure he there's has, a ratio when it, it's compared. Yeah. He has, he has some, he has some like formula behind it that he's kind of come yeah. about that has logic to it. So I would, I, I kind of want to look back into that. Um, yeah. because you know, he was saying that you utilize this much and, and whatnot. Uh, that's what I wanted to, one more thing on before we get off the carbohydrate, um, topic. Um, any, any insight uh, on intra-workout carbohydrate or timing around workouts um, as far as uh, on your end? Yeah, from, from, from my standpoint, and, and this all comes from knowledge from certain classes, but those are very basic on the like, molecular level. But then there's certain studies that I read because most of the information I get are usually from studies and yeah. um, kind of applied back into the classes. But um, I think the best thing you could do is I, I know a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to like eat some simple sugars before a workout so I could spike my insulin and get energy. But that's, that's like scientifically, that's a lot. I don't, you should always spike it post versus pre. Right. You know, you want to keep the, um, when it comes to intra, 
uh, I know it's popular. A lot of, a lot of people keep, um, you know, I, I know you, you did for a while, right? You did the intra. Yeah. Yeah. I did intra. I've pushed my intra carbs as much as a hundred. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't see a reason for it not to, especially intro when your muscles are, are being torn down and depleted to re yeah. refuel them. With and, and it's, and it's right there when the muscle needs it, it, right? It's already in your bloodstream. Right. right. So. Your body, it, you're, you're pretty much just aiding your body. Like, let's say it's, uh, we're holding like a backpack full of water. We're drinking water. The water's going down and you just give it more water. You can say, Oh great. I got more water. It's remember glycogen is strictly extra energy. Creatine phosphate is extra energy. All the bonds, ATP, for example, the, the, the universal energy, you know, you get ATP from every macronutrient. You eat, gets converted to glucose, goes pyruvate, enters citric acid cycle, ATP. ATP is energy, right? Um, ATP is adenosine triphosphate. Phosphate, those bonds, those phosphate bonds is where you get the energy. So when your creatine stored in your muscle, what it is, it's, it's, it's creatine phosphate. And it's helping give that phosphate bond to adenosine uh, diphosphate, so ADP. And then the beauty of creatine is when your muscles are depleted of ATP and it's, it's fuck, we need that extra phosphate bond, creatine is readily available to say, here, take my phosphate bond. And it'll detach as phosphate to bind onto the uh, ADP to create more energy. That's where you get that quick burst of energy. You need that okay. extra rep from the creatine. It's there. Yeah. It's there. Because, because it's saying, hey, take this bond real quick. Here you go. You know, a track athlete running the 100. They need that little extra push for energy. It's going to be the instant energy. You know, it, yeah. let's, let's that, say, that, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that depletes really quickly, right? Like, right. Very quick. Like it, it shoots off. It shoots off in millisecond compared to, let's say, you eat carbohydrates, like a, a pre, pre-workout meal, which I do too. I, I do a lot of oatmeal. Um, it's steady. It's a steady form. But when you're pushing that extra rep, it, you're not getting that energy from carbohydrates that you just ate. You're getting it from the glycogen and the creatine phosphate. Yeah. Um, which is another misconception when people train fasted in the morning. Oh, I'm training fasted. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing I'm relying on my, my fat for energy. But unfortunately what I just learned is that that's not the case. You know, it takes a total of three, about three days to fully digest and get rid of the energy that you eat. But, uh, you know, you, you eat that, uh, it's 12 hours, right? So, so let's say 12, let's say it's 24 hours and you, and you work out, you still have that muscle glycogen. You still have that creatine phosphate that you need to initially get rid of. You need to be in a starved state for you to actually utilize fat, um, for lifting, but yeah, that well, concept because you're going to be really, really tired, you know? Right. Um, right. And then you're not gonna be able to exert yourself as much. You're not gonna be able to expend more calories because of that. Right. But what I have seen on the research on this, so the, the fasting thing has been completely debunked now, especially yeah. cardio too, yeah. um, because they found that, yeah, you do burn more fat during fasted cardio, mm -hmm. but then you burn less throughout the day versus if you do it at a different time, it's, it works the same way. It's like your body. So it, 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 the energy net balance is still the same. Same balance. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the high fat diet versus a high carb diet. What I think the high carb diet is, is better initially but you lose the same amount of weight on both diets when you, you lose. Yeah. And, and it's your body's using different energy sources right. uh, or, or utilizing it differently at different times of the day or based on the diet too. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that translates to more fat loss just because right. you're burning more fat during that session. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's crazy. Cause I remember, I remember when I like way, way back, I remember hearing that the opposite of it was increasing, um, 
you know, I, it, it, I, I, there was some hypothesis around it that it was like increasing fat burning throughout the day. Right. Um, and that was why it was more effective, but it was never actually proven. And now they have evidence to show that you can do it whenever. And it's probably better to do it. I would say it's probably better to do it in a state where you're fed because you're not, if you're, if you're really depleted, you're not thinking about food. You yeah. may have a little bit more energy, so you may be able to exert yourself more. So yeah, yeah that makes sense. And and same with training too, you know, same um, thing. I know when I'm dieting, I don't, if I'm food focused, I can't fucking focus. I can't, I can't exert myself as much during training as well. So oh, yeah. um, I always at least try to have something small. I know too, if people, um, uh, if you have a trouble like eating something and then going into training, like you're, you're still, you're still, uh, you still feel full or you get like indigestion. Um, two things you can do is either lower the food volume, look at the foods that you're eating during that. You know, if it's something that maybe causes digestive distress, stay away from it. Um, right. like oatmeal, oatmeal in large volumes can cause problems. Um, and then two, you can just increase the window of time between that. And if it's like, yeah. if you, if it takes you legitimately like three hours to like feel comfortable to train, then that's especially a good time where an inter uh, workout carbohydrate drink might work really well because then you're not actually going in, um, in not a fasted state, but you're not going in without right. having protein and, and, uh, and actual energy for a long period right. of time prior to training. Cause I would always recommend training with something in, in your system. Um, I would sure. too. generally, I would too. I mean, and, and, and I think we're on the same page as on, as far as how to set that up. I think people still have some confusion. So normally I, you wouldn't want something that's going to clear really quickly. Um, like you're not going to just have protein and carbohydrates. You might want some fats. You might want some fibers in that pre pre workout meal. You don't want something that causes digestive distress though. You want, you want basically that meal to be cleared within an hour so that you can go train. So like I've seen people use, I, I like to use whole foods, but you could use like a cream of rice with peanut butter and a whey isolate. Um, yeah. I just use like a steak and a potato cause that digests fine for me. And then I go and just maybe not a whole lot of fiber, um, intra-workout. Um, so they have done studies, uh, and one of the studies I think was in cyclists where they fed them a mixture of carbohydrates. So okay. fructose, glucose, and their absorption rate was, I want to say like 50% faster. Um, so pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so say. I do that intra-workout. Uh, I know Stan, uh, with the vertical diet had, had started doing that. He got it from George, George. Lockhart, I believe, uh, MMA yeah. coach. I believe that's who it was from. Where he he actually found. What was that? That, that? that would make sense to do it intra, especially when it's a fast carbohydrate. Yeah, no, I actually asked him. So I was at his seminar in November, and I was working with John Meadows at the time. John Meadows is really yeah. big on intra workout nutrition, and they were talking about the post workout shake and it being fructose, glucose, sodium, um, and a little bit of caffeine, right? Perfect. And I was like, could you do that intra workout? Because I'm already do. I was already with John. I was doing just cyclic dextrin. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is just a really, really simple carbohydrate, right? It's just really fast. And, and uh, I was like, "Could you?" Oh, that, that doesn't spike and it, it, it reacts. It does. It, it, right? I mean, I don't know actually the mechanism. I just know it's just like, like it's one of the fastest. If if it could be faster than glucose, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's just in your blood as soon as it it's a digestive tract. There's nothing. Dextrin? What was that? Was Cyclic de dextrin. Yeah. So I don't know if the way, you know, with the gummy bears, it has dextrose. So I'm sure I, Dextro, yeah, I, 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 I listened to Milos yeah. Sarkev. Well, the hypothesis behind it was that it absorbed quicker, but Milos was talking about it and he was talking about maybe that it, it's, it's just glucose at the end of the day. So if you start drinking it 15 minutes before your workout, it's going to be in your blood. Um, oh, yeah. I did. I started doing that intra workout this last off season. So I would do thermo tablets. So sodium. So I'm replacing my electrolytes while I'm training. Right. I would do the, uh, I would do a 70, uh, uh, a three to one, I think, or four to one ratio of dextrose to fructose. So I would do orange juice and dextrose. And then I would also maybe do some EAAs yeah. in there. So I had some, 
And then, um, and then for a period I was using some exogenous insulin to, to drive that in. To get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was doing that, uh, intra workout. So instead of doing it post-workout, uh, just while you're training. And I think, um, uh, Damon over at, uh, UNLV yeah. is that's what his, not, not on exogenous insulin, but on, um, dextrose fructose. I think he's studying that for his PhD research. Yeah, I don't know what it, exactly how it works, but, um, yeah. I kind of want to talk to him about that because I'm really curious how that worked out. But, but in yeah. hypothesis, it would make sense. Uh, and obviously, obviously I'm just trying to get the best. So I don't know. That's, that's what I was doing this last off season. Oh, yeah. As far as if you, if you are getting post or interworkout nutrition, the timing on your post-workout uh, meal might not be as important. I would say if you aren't, it is probably pretty important to get some carbohydrates and then maybe a low fat protein source in there. Um, yeah. just because once you tear everything down, you need to get that. You need know, to get it going. Yeah. The right? faster you get it going, the better you get it going. You need to resource. Exactly. You got to, you know, yeah. And then one of my favorite post-workouts I'll do like, so I'll do a mixture of glucose and fructose again. Yeah. Um, assuming that maybe my absorption is still, you're probably pretty covered unless like you're like myself who was taking exogenous insulin, maybe even right. post-workout, you're going to kind of get another clearing. You could probably re shuttle some of that if you're doing it properly. Um, but so I was doing, uh, like rice with honey and like a lean ground beef. That was like really good or, oh, yeah. uh, pine or pineapple with, with lean ground beef. I would, so, I would also mix my, I, sometimes I would mix my carbs where I down a simple to get it in there, but then I'd have another slower one breaking down. To yeah. Down. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, yeah. um, definitely kind of have that like trickle of, of yeah. glucose going in. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, kind of all I wanted to talk about really as far as like carbohydrates. I think we got a good amount covered there. Um, oh yeah. So let's go over the Instagram questions. And then I had a buddy ask some questions too. Perfect. Hold on one sec here. Did my brother ask any good questions again? Or? No, he didn't this time. Oh. <laughs> I heard your dad liked the, uh, the video. He saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, a, a podcast. I said, check it out. You know. <laughs> so funny. I know. I want to go talk to him soon. Oh yeah, he actually just did the keto diet for a while. Oh really? How'd that work for him? Dude, he lost a lot of weight, so he stayed strict with the you know the carbs low. But... He, the, the thing is, is he keeping it off? Uh, he it. it I, that's a good question. I have to ask him. He just got off. I told him to, when he got off, I told him just to try to do intermittent fasting and just keep his calories pretty, yeah. pretty low. Cause I hear well, that he was telling me that's a common thing for keto is you, you, you tend to gain all that weight after you get off it. Well, so that's not just keto. That's all diets. That's the system oh, no. for any diet. But the thing is with your dad is maybe he doesn't find keto sustainable. If he, right. if you, if you like embark on a diet, um, and you don't see yourself doing it long-term, you're just going to gain the weight back after because you're just going to go back to your normal habits. Like right. it's really right. difficult to, if you haven't built those habits already to, um, I don't know, start that after you stopped keto right? Um, or whatever, you know, vegan diet or, or low carb, high fat or high fat, you know, it's also like, it's also, it, it, I, probably in my head, it's probably like another 50, 50 type mental thing. Like I just got off the diet. I'm going to kind of loosen up. 
And then next thing you know, you're eating the same shit you were before. Yeah, exactly. And you've gained yeah. the weight back. Especially with so I think calories being even lower and then you're eating the same, you're just gaining yeah. maybe twice as fast, you know? Yeah. So I think that there's like a hierarchy and the thing that you need to look at first when looking at a diet is sustainability, right? Like if oh, I yeah. send a diet over to someone and they're like, I can't do this. I don't eat these foods, whatever. They're, their adherence is going to be shit. Like they might do it for two to three weeks and I've seen this so many times and then they just fall off. Right. So, um, right. Which I mean, the thing, the, what was that? A lot of coaches push that too. I always see it. Oh, well this, you have to eat like this. You have yeah. to. And it messes with people's timing and stuff. It's like, dude, Oh, really definitely. No, you, there's, there's what they need, you know, I mean, they did the, they studied um, all of the popular name diets, zone, keto, carnivore, vegan, low carb, high fat, um, low fat, high carb. They studied all of them and compared them and they found no difference in weight loss amongst all of them when calories were controlled, when people were eating in deficit. It just shows so, your body. Your body's so good at adjusting to what it needs yeah, to do. You know, to most definitely. And, and, and that's, yeah, what we're talking about is like how it's using energy sources and, and things like that. But that right. being said, that, that also shows us that it's what the best diet is the one that you will follow. Like what is the most sustainable for you? Because the weight gain, regain statistic is like something like I want to say like 90%. So like people, it basically says that people can lose weight, but over a course of three years, they will gain that weight back. And that is 90% of people. So, or I think even 95, like it's ridiculous. So that means that people who are trying to lose weight are not successfully doing it. Um, So I think the best thing for him, if you have a conversation with him, is just to be like, Hey, what do you enjoy doing? Do you, you know, does he normally fast? Does he normally kind of look at his eating patterns? Does he normally not eat until noon? Okay. Then fasting is a good option. Does he like to eat carbohydrates? Okay. Maybe we might need to work some in there. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, and maybe if it's your macros is a good approach for him or something like yeah. that. So yeah. it would probably take some troubleshooting, but, yeah. um, and if you had a plan that might work, like if you were like, okay, I'm gonna do keto and then I'm going to just to get the initial weight off and then I'm going to jump over to, uh, uh, you know, a uh, fit your macro style diet with some carbohydrates or, or maybe slowly reintroduce some carbohydrates in. Yeah. So it might, it could work in that. That's, I recommended to him a, a gram test a week and 4,000 calories. <laughs> <laughs> That'll fucking work. A gram <laughs> test, <laughs> you, some, you T3, know, some, some growth. <laughs> yeah. Some growth. Some I'm like, Oh, yeah. so the keto diet's working for you. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the like, gram test. 4,000 fucking calories. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, oh, shit. All right. Oh, that's funny. Um, so, okay. Uh, we got another SARMS question. So what, uh, uh, M, uh, Alapaz is Marcus Alapaz. He asks, uh, what your, what are your thoughts on SARMS? Um, I actually looked at this question before and I mean, we asked that was, it was SARMS for women. I did some more research after we did it. Um, what, what are your thoughts from your personal experience? And then I'll talk about mine. Um, I mean, my, my thing with SARMS is, is, um, it, 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 it looks good on paper. Like it, it seems like they're starting to troubleshoot it and stuff. It's still relatively new. So whether it works, like it, it, it it's very dependent because something could work in vitro, could work in a Petri dish and it could yeah. not translate. In my experience personally, I think it translated. I, I gained a notable amount of strength and stuff. And that's without, uh, when I any, did it. Any, any weight gain? Uh, yeah, so I, I would say eight to 10 pounds. But I mean, again, uh, at the time, my diet wasn't optimized. And I was just eating, I was eating, I was training hard, I was getting good gains. Yeah. But it'd be interesting to see. Um, I, it'd be nice to do a kind of like a, just a guinea pig, you know, study where, where I keep my diet absolutely the same in terms of, you know, maintenance calories, and I, I train the same. And then I get on a cycle of SARMs with the same amount of calories, and then compare the, the two. Yeah. 
you know, like a and get bloods, get bloods before and after too. That'd be really cool. Exactly. Really, really see what it's doing on a, you know, on a very molecular level. Yeah. I think some people are doing that now. I think that'd be really oh. cool. Oh yeah. Um, no. So I, I agree with you. I think that's, that's pretty um, consistent with what I hear. Yeah. Um, about SARMs. Um, yeah. I would say in theory, they are great. Like if we can get just the androgenic muscle, like androgen in the muscle, like, uh, effects, right, and that would be golden, right? We don't want any of the um, androgenic uh, effects, like uh, in our hair, or, you know, our scalp, right. like balding, or, right. or um, you know, uh, hair growth all over our body, acne, and, and all the acne, stuff. all the negative side effects. So, if right. we can get it to the point where it's potent enough, and it doesn't cause damage in other areas, then that would be great. But um, you know, there is a, a correlation with it affecting your lipids and your HDL. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's one thing to be aware of. Um, so, um, like I said in the last podcast, we we can we can predict what happens when you take testosterone. Um, I think a lot of people who are embarking on that are afraid of like needles, but it's like it's 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 the safest for that reason too, because it's like it's, it's bypassing your liver. I mean, right. it's not bypassing it, but damn near but, to or not to liver, but to the muscle. Injection, <laughs> it's the muscle, so it's. At least it's like with orals, at least and stuff. Your 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 liver has to it tries to break it down, but it, since, yeah, I think it's what is it? It's it's they're all um, methylated, methylated, so that it's protected against being broken down in the liver. Yeah, which what gives you those high liver enzymes. Your liver's like, yeah. what the fuck is this shit? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I think um, you know anything that's going to have to be ingested orally is going to cause more more negative ramifications and if you get it to a dose where it's effective enough it might be causing those problems um, so one thing to consider when taking anything is it's going to be your health like is you know you're you're uh, potentially taking years off your life when you take stuff so uh, I'm assuming you're considering taking them um, there's probably a lot you haven't optimized with diet and training to be even looking at those um, but I would say right now, um, they are, they're an option. Um, but they, I probably not the first thing I would go to, um, as far as that. And, yeah. and if you are t- going to do that, I would probably, especially if you're, you know, relatively new to training, um, I would probably be getting advice from a professional or someone who's done them before, or not, not just your average gym bro who's taken them. Um, and, and, and kind of just get some actual professional advice. Maybe someone who has coached some people and have used it correctly. Cause obviously we're not going to have any doctors advising people on how to take these yeah. per se, yeah. maybe an HRT clinic, but um, always, always, always understand that there is a inherent risk when you take uh, anything, you know, to modify your hormones and to gain muscle that isn't, uh, you know, outside of food basically. So yeah, I would, I would I just think, leave it at that. What, yeah, what were you gonna it's really all a risk reward, you know, if yeah, there's a lot of side effects, if it's super, then you're going to get more reward. But like, it's another thing, you know, with pro hormones or with SARMs, like SARMs are, oh, the side effects are relatively low. But yeah. That's because it's only binding to one specific, you know, maybe yeah. a few specific receptors. So you're not going to get a very optimal, you know, like a crazy ass transformation. That's, you know, testosterone yeah. hormone itself, it regulates more than just, you know, muscle building. So it, it, it helps a lot of precursors. It helps with carbohydrate as well. Processes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what the aromatization of it is, but I would assume that you would, you still want a good amount of aromatization. I think people are afraid of that, but, um, yeah, I just tested my levels and my, my estrogen was at, uh, or I think esteroidal was at 97. 
Um, and that's proportionate to the amount of testosterone that's in my bloodstream. And that's because I'm using test as a base. So if you don't have that, that could definitely be like we talked about in the last podcast, that can, uh, the neuroprotective benefits of, of estrogen aren't there, uh, especially if you're spiking your androgen levels. And I know it, it's more specific to muscle, but um, you know, it, it, it could be a potential side that we're not uh, looking at just yet. So I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, I would probably just advise not taking them. Um, and you know, if you need some help with nutrition, just hit me up, you know, I can help you optimize those things first before you even consider that. Because like Matt just said, it's a, it's a risk reward. You know, you're potentially looking at taking years off your life, especially if you're someone who's genetically predisposed to have some of those conditions. So you got to really be serious about it. I mean, I'm, I'm well aware of that. I've potentially taken, you know, five, maybe 10 years off my life because of the lifestyle I live um, and being a bodybuilder. But, you know, that's because this is literally what I do and I love to do it. Now, if you're just trying to get a beach body or, you know, get kind of in shape, you want to be, you know, weighing that out a little more, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, definitely consider that. And if you need help, man, just hit me up. I'll, I'll help you out with some of that stuff. Um, my sister asks, uh, chicken, which we'll see. I said chicken, chicken nugs or chicky tenders. Um, she's asked this question before. What, what's yeah. your uh, preference there? I think I like the nuggets more only because I could dip, I could get a better dip oh, ratio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but tenders are great, but like I get the tip with yeah. ketchup and I'm like, all right, now what? You know? Yeah, dude. No, I agree. Uh, chicken, chicken nuggets all day. Dinosaur Ooh. chicken nuggets, bro. Yep. Yeah, I remember I, I remember looking at the fucking uh, bag uh, when I started working out and uh, the protein like they have a good amount of protein in them because they're some breast meat and other they mixtures do. of parts of chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would eat them and I grew like I got bigger. So I mean, it, it worked. So chicken nuggets all the way. That's yeah, that's that was my original. The, the OG mass gaining diet was chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah. It's a 20 chicken nuggets, throw them in the microwave, call it a day. You know? Fuck yeah, dude. I'll eat the whole bag. Yeah, <laughs> there was one time. Oh, my parents were gonna kill me. There was one time where I got really fucking high, and I came uh, home and I like I ate a whole bag of chicken nuggets with like honey mustard, and I like easy. had the TV next to me, yeah. and I just passed out with like the bag next to me. I don't know why yep. I had the bag with me, um, and I was like, my parents probably found me passed out on the bed like with chicken honey nuggets. mustard on my face, and they were like, this this motherfucker is high. Yeah, he definitely well, smoked like, weed. Smoking here, you know, You're like what the? <laughs> oh man. They're probably going to watch this, so good. Um, is eating complex this uh, Kishane, Kishane the Great, a uh, guy I used to work with or work near in Santa Monica, um, he said, is eating complex carbs a good idea when cutting? Oh, uh, yeah. Perspective. I, so. um, I, I mean, my thing is, 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 again, the overall, when it comes down to it, overall, the most important thing is going to be your calories in versus calories out. Yep. Uh, whether you want to manipulate your carbohydrates, uh, some people do their fats. Um, I keep my fats consistent and I kind of manipulate my carbohydrates, uh, whether yep. I'm bulking, but yeah, I mean, relatively like it, whether you're bulking, whether you're cutting, I think, think the nutrient timing, whatever complex carbs or simple sugars you're doing should stay consistent, uh, complex carbohydrates throughout the day until it comes to about maybe uh, intra or post workout, then I would go ahead and spike up the yeah. insulin, keep it simple. But uh, regardless, I think what it, what really comes down to is uh, the amount of carbohydrates, not necessarily complex. I think always you should you should try to keep insulin relatively uh, re relatively consistent instead of going up and down and up and down. Try to keep, you know. So um, 
I agree hundred percent. So, I mean, one, you wouldn't want to be eating all of your carbohydrates in one meal um, of the day. I wouldn't recommend that at least. Um, and that's from like a satiety perfect uh, perspective, but I would, I would probably look at this from satiety perspective, given my yeah. perspective from dieting is um, if you eat a lot of uh, foods that contain simple sugars, a lot of highly palatable, highly processed foods, um, your, your, your tendency to overeat those things, especially when you're in a caloric deficit is really high. So you, 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 you eat those foods and you want more of them. Um, those foods are also not filling. So they per volume, they, um, you know, if you eat a pop tart versus a potato, a pop tart is not going to fill you up the same way, even if the calories are equated and the carbohydrates are equated. Um, especially if you have a small amount of carbohydrates that you're allotted because you're in a large deficit, you don't want to be filling your calories with, with, uh, simple sugars. Um, yeah, I would always recommend fruit. Fruit is good and fruit has fiber and other things in it, uh, especially if you're eating, not drinking fruit juice, but you're actually having fruit like whole fruit. Um, that's a good thing to have in, in, in small quantities while you're dieting. Um, and, and I would still consider it maybe not complex, but it takes longer to, to break down with, with yeah. the, the, uh, the accommodating, uh, fiber and other things in fruit. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say the same thing. Try to keep your carbohydrates more, more complex, but don't look at it like that. I would say, look at your carbohydrates as you can, you can pull up the, uh, satiety scale for food and, and try to pick car carbohydrates off of that, especially when you're cutting, um, and inverse, if you're trying to, to mass is, you know, foods that are less satiating, like maybe a white rice. Um, and, uh, and generally those foods are going to be complex by nature. Um, so it's kind of just happened by picking foods that are more filling, um, whole foods, generally sweet potato, potato, carrots, squash, things like that tend to be more filling. So try to pick a majority of your carbohydrates from those types of foods. If you are cutting, um, and if you want to fit in some flexibility and have a pop tart, be aware of the, one, your ability to do so. Like, can you do that and still maintain the deficit, um, not go off the rails, and two, if, if you are truly someone who is really, really hungry all the time, then it's not a good idea because I've tried doing flexible dieting, but my appetite is so ravenous. Like it's just, it's so crazy. I have to be eating potatoes and oatmeal and things like that to kind of subdue it a little bit. If I eat a pop tart and I take away some of my daily carbohydrates for that, I will most likely either binge eat or, or eat off my plan. So that's, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's, that's two different perspectives on that. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's important to have a good amount of complex, especially when you're, when you're dieting. Um, Francisco Brunel, uh, asks, I remember your goal was to fill out a two X shirt. What's your next goal? Um, I guess my goals aren't as vain. It's not like my goals were ever like really, that was like my primary goal. I mean, um, uh, my goals I'm not going to really like say all of them because I think some people would think they're kind of uh, ludicrous. Uh, but my goal right now is to get a pro card. I'd like to see this podcast kind of pick off the ground because I have a message that I want to portray out there. Um, you know, I want to kind of grow a brand and, and help people with that. So that's kind of what's in my face right now. Uh, it changes all the time, but that's really what, you know, I'm looking at is hopefully getting a pro card in the next couple of years. And, and, um, you know, working on building a business and, and, um, creating financial freedom. So how about you? What is your, uh, your goal? Um, you know, in the next couple of years or moving forward, like, what do you want to do uh, after school and stuff? Honestly, right now it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it seems to me that, that, um, I, it's really me just kind of seeing what opportunity I have and I'm kind of just taking them, you know, this, yeah. My, my initial goal was once I got my bachelor's was to get some workforce experience, um, 
get into industry, maybe lab tech job and, and then slowly go back to school. But uh, the opportunity was presented and it's, it's just kind of like a thing where it's like, it's, I, if I were to pass it up, I don't know if I would go back. So I, I guess right now my, my initial goal would be, um, I think I want to finish my master's and then depending on what I learn and, and what I could apply to the real world scientifically and stuff like that might just shoot and get my PhD right then and there, uh, depending on what I see fit or just, you know, possibly just kind of getting into the workforce and, and then just kind of figuring out or, or what do I want to do? What am I, you know, really focused in, but eventually at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, I really want to get into nutritional biochemistry and stuff like that uh, as it relates really cool. to sports nutrition. Because the thing about sports nutrition is that the funding on it is very low. Yeah. But with obesity being so high in America and all this stuff is, is bodybuilding, weightlifting, exercise, nutrition right now, it, 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 it's been underlooked in, in the past like century. But now it's more labs are starting to focus on nutritional research, right. phytochemicals, and it's just going like this. Conversation so. is shifting. Definitely. I agree. Absolutely. And, and I'm with you there, man. Like I really, I want to be involved in that to some extent too, alongside all this stuff. Like, um, like I mentioned in the last podcast, I definitely would want to be a part of like educating the youth in, in nutrition and, and, and finding out the things that are effective in, in creating uh, sustainable habits. But I think they're, uh, and kind of the reason why I even approached you for this podcast is I think there is an, a, you know, a possible, um, like way where our careers will inter intercept at some point. I mean, and they're kind oh, yeah. of doing it right now, but um, you know, down the line too. And, and I think we have some of the same things that align. So uh, there's definitely the opportunity for a partnership in the future. Hopefully we'll be looking back at this one day with our fucking, I don't know, yeah. like 20, 40, 60,000 square foot facility with the gym yeah. and the, yeah. and the nutrition center. center. Yeah. yeah. Research center. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know, we, we can fucking dream. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. one thing I would say is, is too, is, um, you know, that's, that's, I, I agree with that and I don't, I don't want to give you unsolicited advice, but maybe it would take, uh, uh, be smart to like, once you get your master's, like take a couple months off or like a semester or a quarter and just like, yeah. kind of like just feel things out, you know, like maybe, maybe look at some, some internship opportunities, but then, or, 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 uh, work ways to work in research, but then right. maybe, you know, just, because one thing, like we were talking about the quarantine this last time, it's like when you when you're really with yourself, you really learn what the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so then you start I mean, to dream. You know, you start to think back and picture yourself in, in certain situations. Yeah. You know, and you, when you picture yourself in those situations, you're like, oh wow, I never really thought of this, but now that I yeah. do, this is really cool. This is yeah. Or you realize that like the one that the thing that you've been kind of like holding on to, you're like, maybe, maybe I don't want to fucking do that. You know, maybe I want to do this over here. Um, right. So it's really important to take that time off with yourself, you know, and especially because you've been going so fucking hard for so long. Like I commend you for that shit, but like, I'm like, Hey Matt, you want to hang out? You're like, no, I'm in lab. I'm like hey, Matt, yeah. you want to hang out like 12 o'clock on Christmas? You're like, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm in lab right now. I'm like, what the it's fuck? Time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited for it to translate, but I want it to translate in, in, in a thing that I'm passionate about, which is, it'll, you know, which is why I started. So. Yeah, it'll fucking connect, man. I know it will. That shit, something's going to fucking pop in your head when you're like, that's, that's fucking it. You know what I mean? Like if you keep, if you keep working at it, you know what I mean? And it kind of seems like the dots connect as you do this, you know what I mean? As you get more involved, like the, the you know, as you, the opportunities present themselves when you put yourself in a position to, you know, be able to accept them. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. That's cool, man. Um, okay, uh, my buddy Jordan asked a bunch of questions. He he was probably some of the best questions we asked. He asked on the last podcast. 
but um, uh, first question he asks is why is everybody so afraid of estrogen? Um, and where do you think the stigma behind it comes from? Um, yeah. Um, personally, I think it's a, it, it's, you know, when you're taught, you're, you're, you're taught what, what differs from men and women, men, the, the sex hormone for men is testosterone. The sex hormone for women is estrogen. So naturally you would say, Oh God, I, if I have estrogen, that means hormonally I would be, you know, a oh, woman, I think. Yeah, so. Oh, so it's, it's cause men are sexist. I get it. <laughs> it's all science, baby. I love yep. it. It's all science. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's a big thing has to come down to, to just not really knowing what, it, what it's there for. Just knowing, yep. oh, est- estrogens for females, testosterone's for males, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, it's, it's very right. reciprocated. You need estrogen no matter what. We, we talked about this and, and I was kind of talking about it too. It's like, okay, think about when you first started training, right? Right. Um, and, and especially if you're someone who took um, anabolics, especially too early on, like myself, like maybe I didn't, you know, know a lot about them when I, you know, totally misguided decision. Right. right. But okay. You're, you, you, you've, you've heard, you know, Jim talk that estrogen, um, you have to take uh, an AI because you're going to get side effects. You're going to get acne and all these other things. But what I've found from my personal experience is that, and, and I'm sure this is supported by the research, but uh, it's not the estrogen that causes those side effects. Uh, it's the imbalance and uh, in, in influx of those hormones that causes that. Yep. So like if your testosterone is going like this, infrequent injections, um, if you are coming off without a PCT and your body's doing this, that's what causes those side effects. Or over, you know, when, when, when those things are not in balance. And, yeah. and when you're taking just base testosterone, your body does a pretty good job at keeping those things in balance. There's enough aromatization. There's enough estrogen to testosterone in a good ratio. Um, when you start fucking with that, that's when you start getting the side effects. I had a buddy, uh, I'm not going to say his name on here, but he, I was told him, because I, I used to be in the same boat, and I was like, why don't you take an AI? He's like, I just get side effects. And he was smarter than I was at the time just from his base is just from listening to his body. Yeah. He was just like, dude, I, I get, I break out. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to stop you from breaking out. And then, you know, lo and behold, now I'm learning like estrogen is so uh, important for the muscle building process. Uh, Derek, uh, more place, more dates that that guy that I mentioned in the last video, he does a lot of great kind of like case studies and reviewing research on his page. Um, And he found a study in cattle where, you know, they give cattle Fenoplex, which is Trenbolone that bodybuilders use. Yeah, but they and they have the implants, but they did a study with the implants with estradiol with the trembolone because trembolone doesn't aromatase, and they noticed there was almost no IGF one in the the cattle that were taking trembolone by itself because there was right. no aromatization, there was no estrogen, which is crazy because you would think, oh, trembolone is going to cause a lot of a spike in IGF one, tons of muscle growth, you know, whatever, but. Right they saw significant more IGF-1 and significant more muscle growth in the cattle that had estroidal administered along with the, the, the Finiplex, right? which is alone is, is crazy. And I can tell when I'm when myself, I mean, I went from, I, I grew with one coach from like two, you know, probably lean mass only from like two, 200 to like 210, 215 when you really stripped off all the body fat. Um, yeah. so I think we got up to 250 and I was pretty bad competition. So I, and then I went to standard flex. They were like, okay, no AIs, get all that shit out, get your gyno removed and just don't fucking ever touch that stuff ever again. Right. And, uh, I didn't, and I grew the most I've ever grown in a season ever, which would make no sense because I, you know, I'm starting to get to a point where, uh, gains come on slower because of the amount of muscle that I right. have and, and I'm acquiring. Right. And I went from, 
uh, uh, 245 to 285 and with a better composition, um, you know, more fullness, no side effects, no acne, uh, without taking any tamoxifen or any of that shit. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, I don't know. I, the stigma, uh, I, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but the stigma comes, like you said, from, you know, men, men associating that with female, um, uh, female characteristics, sex characteristics, um, which I would say prolactin tends to cause some of those problems more so, and we yeah. don't diagnose it correctly. Right. Um, and it's just from not having enough actual understanding of how estrogen works in the body. Like, like we talked about the neuroprotective benefits of estrogen. Um, right. If you don't have that understanding, you're just going to think it's bad. You know, you're going to follow the, the, obviously that's some, that's something that has existed in bodybuilding for a long time is taking aromatase inhibitors without actual, any knowledge of your blood work, taking uh, serums without any knowledge of your blood work. Uh, I had, you right. know, my last coach had me up at 80 milligrams at one point a day of, of, Tamoxifen. My my fucking estrogen was undetectable. My HDL was gone. Like I had no HDL. Like I probably could have fucking had a, a heart attack at right. at twenty years old because this motherfucker didn't know what he's doing. And it's so yeah. irresponsible. Yeah. And that's what coaches are doing now. Well, um, well, so it, it's more. And and you could see it. I'm sure you could even testify. It, the coaches seem to be more and more um, concerned with with the whole like, man, this is very hard. So they get that. Yeah, yeah. I'm training you good. I'm training you hard. But they really, I, a lot of people, especially trainers and stuff, they, they really, you know, are, are focused more on the, oh, they think it's very hard. I'm doing a good job versus, uh, all right, Bro, well, that is literally the embodiment of my last coach. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. like I've, yeah. I talked about it before. It's, you know, seven, he had me at seven days of training, two hours yep. of cardio a day, two hours of training a day, uh, you know, um, a ridiculous amount of drugs for an amateur competitor, but I was just kind of blindfolded, you know, not like, you know, I was just like, oh, this is what it takes at the time when I didn't have any better understanding. Right. Um, you know, no, any background information, no, no studies, no nothing. It's just all like, yeah, running you into the ground and, and, and being able to not letting your body recuperate and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. It's like yeah. they associate suffering with, with, um, with looking and, good. And it's like, no, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different things they could say or, you know, but yeah, go on. I, I totally agree with you. Well, and I think there's, it, it there's a time and a place like your training should be difficult, but fucking getting out of bed should not be difficult. You know what I mean? Like uh, standing up and walking shouldn't be difficult when that becomes difficult. There's it's concerning. Right. And that's yeah. where I was like, that's where I drew the line. I was like, dude, like I'm, 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 I worked harder than I ever fucking worked in my life. I mean, to be able to even do that for, I, I, I look back, I, I, I felt like shit at the time. I was like, man, I don't have the fucking, I don't have the balls to do it. I don't have the work ethic. I look back on that. I'm like, I commend myself for even being able to push myself for that long. I mean, I did yeah. that for 25 weeks and towards well, the last eight weeks. Telling me too. You're like, yeah. I, it, I'm breathing hard getting out of bed, you know? And oh like, no. I had to like, if I had to pee, I would like be like, okay, like you're going to get up like 20 yep. seconds and I would start counting down. I'm like, all right, you can do this. And like, I would have to fuck like in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, one morning at one morning I woke up and I got, I would, I would, he had me inject like L-carnitine in my muscles. And then I would, um, yeah. I would uh, take all my fat burners, my T3, Clen, T3, all the uh, shit, yeah. fucking, uh, you know, like ridiculous amount of shit before yeah. I had even put anything in my body, which I think is kind of scary too. Like I don't have anything in my stomach, yeah. which I your never really like. Your concept. body absorbs is all that. At yeah, that exactly. I'm like first thing in the morning. And then I remember I was like, okay, I would put on my clothes, get ready to go to the gym. And I remember just getting cold and I was like, okay, I'm going to get under the blanket and then I'm going to go in five minutes. Cause like, if I don't get this done, my whole day is going to be thrown off. I have to do cardio, come back, eat, come then go back to the gym. 
And right. I literally was shivering. It was like fucking 80 degrees in our small little apartment. We had a time. I was fucking shivering. I had all the blankets over me and Maddie's next to me. Like, should I call a fucking ambulance? Yeah. Yeah. And eventually yeah. I like got up out of bed. Yeah. Eventually I got out of bed with like two sweaters on and then drove to the gym and was able to somehow do my cardio. Like, yeah, it was ridiculous. But what the fuck? Like I shouldn't be shivering. It's the middle of the fucking summer. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. My T3 was, you know, my, my your body telling you, yo, you know, yeah. Like, you fucking stop what you're doing. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. You okay. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? So, I mean, I kind of listened and, and I've, I've heard stories very similar to that, but yeah, I agree. It's from that old school body milling mentality. You want your body to work for you, not against you. And, and there's times to work hard and there's times to rest. If you listen right. to like Chris Aceto, if he, if he has an athlete who's run down, sometimes they'll be like, instead of saying more cardio, They'll be like, okay, take a day off, eat a burger. And then yep. they look fucking better the next day. And it's like, no shit, their body was getting burnt out. You got to understand that, you know? So yeah, I agree 100%. That's definitely part of it is like we, they, they, it's like taking anti-estrogen and, 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 and your joints hurting is like a good thing. Yep. Like, I've, yep. I've, they, oh yeah, you're supposed to be in pain. You're supposed to yep. hurt everywhere. Oh, you're, I don't you're, think it's the case. And it's just poor, you know, like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, they're dried out, but <laughs> You're not getting a hard on great <laughs> sex is for the week. Yeah, that's normal. You know, <laughs> um, what do you think is the most common micronutrient deficiency or deficiencies? Um, common ones. Uh, I might be, I, I would say maybe, uh, it's very hard to say. I mean, I'm not too familiar with micronutrients as a whole, but maybe, vitamin D as a precursor, maybe something like yep. that. I mean, a lot of it comes from the sun, but I, it, I agree. The, if you have a well-balanced diet, most of the time you, you get a very good amount of, uh, yeah. I think the problem is not a lot of people have a well-balanced diet. Right. I agree. Vitamin right. D three. Um, I think, I don't know what the actual amount of sun exposure you get to get a good amount of actual like blood vitamin D three. I just got my vitamin D three hydroxy, uh, 25 test. Okay. Um, and I had 60 and, um, which is good. Like I've been, I've been trying to, supplement with it, but not supplement too much. Like I was taking 10,000 IUs for a while. I right. want to bump down to 8,000 because it's summertime. So I've been trying to stand out. Uh, I've did at least three times a week for 10 minutes. I get like sun exposure without like a shirt on. So right. I'm trying to actually get more natural vitamin D3, if that makes sense. Is that um, is, um, do you know if vitamin D has an upper limit at all? Is it, it's, does it, it does because it's, it's fat soluble. Right. Um, but it's, I don't, it's very uncommon for people to be, um, I think it's very uncommon. Un, un, uh, uncommon. I, I know my mom at one point was taking vitamin D3 and her doctor hypothesized she had some health problems from it. Hypothesized that it might be from vitamin D, but I, I went looking back on it, I really doubt it. It could have been something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, it's really hard to get adequate levels, um, especially people who, I mean, we live, uh, you live in Reno, so I'm sure you get a lot of sun. I live in California and I was low for a while. So um, yeah. if you're not yeah. consciously trying to get in the sun and supplementing with a good amount of vitamin D3, probably low. It's important to do a test. Um, but I would agree. I think a lot of people are deficient because there are foods that have it. I think a lot of fatty fish do have vitamin D3, but, uh, get an adequate amount. Um, and especially if you're a clean eater, you don't eat foods that tend to have fortified amounts, you know, like, uh, cereals and, and maybe yeah. some milks and stuff like that. Um, yeah. but you need to probably be supplementing with that, uh, for sure. I put, I give all my clients vitamin D3 for sure. Um, and getting yeah. some sun exposure. So I agree. That's a really common, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. That's a really common one. I think, um, and yeah. that, that has so many trickle down side effects. That one is most important. I would say as far as like yeah. depression and anxiety and, um, 
energy level. There's so many things. Uh, there's a, there's a, I'll link it down below if I can remember to, um, where Stan talked about, uh, he did a whole rant on, uh, vitamin D3 and how it's a, actually acts as a hormone, not as a yeah. vitamin in the body yeah. uh, because it's so important for a lot of functions. So that one, um, I would see, say with the prevalence of people thinking that red meat is bad, heme iron, uh, uh, and a lot of the other things, zinc, magnesium, a lot of those things probably are pretty prevalent too. Um, uh, I was just watching a podcast earlier um, and they were, it was um, uh, Paul Saladino and uh, another, like, unfortunately I can't remember her name. It was like Nina something. Um, yeah. And they were, and he pulled up a study uh, or, and he was showing that red meat consumption has gone significantly down, but our incidence of heart rate has not uh, declined along with that. So obviously, I mean, it's correlation. Um, but, and then our, our, uh, our consumption of processed vegetable oils has gone up too. I think there is some correlation there. Um, yeah. but obviously with that decreased consumption in red meats, there's going to be a deficiency in heme iron, um, and, and many other problems. And I've, I've heard a lot about like women becoming anemic, a lot of pre-contest women, especially their coaches will cut out red meat. So, um, so I would say that, I mean, that's kind of why I like the vertical diet in the first place. Cause I think a lot of bodybuilding style diets don't address micronutrients, but I would say probably, especially for women, that's really important. Heme iron um, and just red meat in general. Um, so I would probably put it there. Um, anything else that I can think of? Iodine is another one, uh, especially okay. athletes lose that through their sweat and that controls your thyroid function. Um, salt as well. Um, people demonize salt, but uh, only yeah, they, do. they really do, but salt yeah. is so important. 100%. And people who are salt sensitive are the ones that are uh, getting blood pressure issues, which is such a small percentage of the population, I think like 25 or something like that. So um, not really something to constrict, to restrict iodine. You can get through cranberry juice and iodized salt. Um, and it, it's important to do blood work to check these things too. But if you're having thyroid issues, that could be a place to look. So yeah, um, I would say the same. And then just the, maybe salt, iodine, red meat, probably the first places for a lot of people to look. Um, okay. Uh, do you think there are any supplements that are worth purchasing? Uh, if nutrition is already taken care of. So probably in, in, in that sense, he's probably also uh, referring to micronutrition as well. Um, oh, in terms of micronutrition? Well, if, if you're, if you're like already, like all of the bases are already covered, what's are there supplements that are worth buying basically or worth the money? I would say stick to the basics, protein, creatine. I agree. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe some beta alanine. Yep. I agree. I think beta alanine has some, um, efficacy. I've seen some studies on that for sure. Um, yeah, I've seen yeah. some studies on it. Yeah. I think you like exactly how you said, I mean, and if all your bases are covered, stick to the basics, vitamin D is like we just talked about, uh, fish oil, if you're not eating a fatty fish, but I'd probably recommend fatty fish first. Uh, those are two that are dirt cheap that are just essential. I think, yeah. Yeah. um, other things probably be more related to health. Uh, if you're having health issues, like I take like a Sturtzer's Bergamot because I'm trying to get my ACL up. Um, but like you said, stupid Siri keeps going off. Sorry. Um, uh, a whey, whey isolate, I think, or not even a whey isolate. Honestly, I've come a long way. I think just whey protein in general. If you have a tr trouble getting in your calories, if that's something that you like having in your diet, that's something to look at. Um, dextrose, if you are one of those people trying to capitalize on intra-workout nutrition, dextrose, creatine might help. Um, uh, you know, thermo tabs, those, those thermo tabs is like, in my opinion, that's the best pre-workout or salt is like the best pre-workout, maybe a cup of coffee. Uh, if you're really having trouble with your energy, um, coffee guy. 
Yeah, I like coffee too. And then unfortunately in the vertical diet, they don't really aren't fans of it. But oh, yeah. I salt my coffee because when it cuts the bitterness and two, um, I'm not losing as many electrolytes and then I'll throw thermotabs in my intra-workout. So the coffee, um, you know, has a lot of antioxidants. I don't think you need a fucking pre-workout with 300 milligrams, you know, a cup of coffee with 100 to 140 milligrams. If you need a little boost, it has been shown to in, in, improve one RM numbers to improve focus while you lift the endurance, all those things. So definitely something that I utilize a lot. Um, but you don't need a, a $40, $50 pre-workout. You can just drink a cup of coffee. You can throw down some salt and drink some water and you'll have a good workout in my opinion. So, um, probably not a lot that like the ones that are like test boosters, not worth your money. Um, you know, all that <laughs> muscle tech <laughs> shit, probably not worth it. Yeah. Some, yeah. some nitric, nitric oxide boosters might work. But like I said, if you're, if you have some sort of deficiency, usually those work, tend to work better. So, um, maybe look at the basis first and then maybe if that works for you. Yeah. Um, and then there could be some research coming out on new ones, but I just, I haven't seen anything yet. I haven't seen anything too promising besides the basics, the creatine and the, the things that have been tried and true. Um, right. Opinion on partial repetitions as a way to an extend a set. I don't know if you've ever used partials in your, your training uh, at all. Yeah, I definitely use partials when I do uh, like lateral raises and stuff like that. Um, I mean, again, I, I, I like them depending on the training though. Um, I mean, there was a study that came out uh, from, I think the university of Tampa and what they did was they, they isolated um, muscle. And I don't know if I said this in the last podcast, I might've, but they isolated muscle and they pretty much put it in, in, in like a carbohydrate type uh, nutrient um, uh, like gel, I guess. And they, they okay. compared it to another one, but this one was a control and they used carbohydrates as nutrients for, for the muscle cells. And the other one used lactic acid, uh, which is stemmed from the burn, the, the burn you feel from repetition, mm -hmm. blood flow. And it showed that the, the one with lactic acid grew compared more significantly more than the one compared to, um, a diet. So, I mean, in terms of like partial reps, when you're, when you're promoting more blood flow and stuff like that, I, I tend to like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I, I think maybe there might be some, go ahead. I, I would go for it. I, I like it uh, depending on, I mean, I wouldn't do too many um, like on certain yeah. sets. I, I like, I like more of like, if I want to just burn out, like end my workout with, you know, I'll do some partials and, and certain, certain lifts though. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think they might have a place. Uh, like I think, I think that's uh, I like your example and it's pretty isolated. So it'd be hard to say exactly, but I think there is some research coming out about metabolites and actual like blood volume in the area at the time of training. Um, so that probably has some merit. And I mean, um, it, it would probably make sense if, if you get a, a large volume of blood, especially maybe towards the end of a workout. I've seen that. I've seen people apply that. I think that the science might just, just need to catch up to it a little bit more still. Um, yeah. So I agree. Uh, but I, for right now, um, I would say I don't like utilizing. I use them a lot with John's programs. He would have like cycles. So he'd have like one week you do partials and one week you do uh, drop sets, one week you do this and that. And, nice. um, yeah. I found it was fun. It was like, I really enjoyed training like that. Uh, was, yeah. You got a good pump. Um, I would say right now where I'm at, I don't like them. And this is, it's very specific to the way I'm training too, though, is I like full repetitions um, yeah. with a full range of motion and standardized form. So it, it's very hard if you're logging your lifts to standardize a partial repetition because partial repetition could be a varying range, right? So if I do a bench press, my standard is I go to my chest and then I come all the way up 
and I come down all the way to my chest. And if I'm doing partials and I may be more fatigued, I might do a smaller partial on one set and a bigger partial on another. And I have no, um, like, like if it's coming off my chest, I have no like thing to stop me to tell me that I'm hitting that, that range of motion. Whereas here, when my arm is fully extended, I know my range is over when my arm is, you know, uh, you know, when fully shortened, when the muscles fully shortened or, um, in this position, sorry, this would be lengthened for chest. Uh, right. When it's down here on my chest, I know that's the that's the rep range. So standardizing form is really important for myself, being able to gauge progress. So I would just say straight sets. Uh, and I think a lot of researchers are, are uh, kind of in the same boat as far as straight sets being the king. But I think there may be places for application of that. So I just don't know them yet. You know what I mean? Like, so I would say, you know, most people could probably focus on that. If you enjoy doing it, then I would say do it. You know what I mean? Like, but, yeah. but I would still like track your consistent, you know, I did eight reps and then I did 10 partials and at least try to have that in your logbook and try to keep the partials consistent if you can. Um, but de make sure the, the meat and potatoes, like the, the, you, you tracked your eight repetitions the next week you try to get nine and then partials could be played into that as well. You just want to be able to standardize it and track it somehow so you can be progressive is what I'm saying, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it might have some, some, maybe some, I think there was a study that Dante Trudell um, likes to use a lot because he uh, founded DC training and he does weighted stretches, uh, yeah. something where they had birds uh, where they strapped weights to their wings and in and, and the stretch position there, the, there was a, a significant amount of hypertrophy. So that might be something to look at as well. Um, but like I said, I think there's more research that needs to be done there to be able to say what it is. But I mean, putting the muscle under stress at the end of the day, stressing the muscle, creating greater and greater overload is going to cause the muscle to grow. So it's a basic foundation. So however you do that, that's, you know, um, but I think range of motion is really important. So I would probably just always go for the full range, I guess. I hope that wasn't too long winded, but, um, favorite bodybuilder per decade, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Um, I would, I'm going to start by saying, I don't know exactly, especially earlier on. I don't know exactly what eras were. So you can yeah. just kind of, yeah. you can do the same thing as I'm going to do is just kind of like general area, uh, is what I'm going to do. General era. Go ahead. Yep. Um, I would say the, the first, um, I mean, I really liked how Arnold looked just because, um, I mean the, the physique back then is not compared to the physiques now and stuff like that. I agree. So I, I really liked the way Arnold looked in terms of aesthetics um, I mean, I guess, uh, he, what, what would you say? Like maybe the late seventies when it he when was, it, yeah, he must've been late sixties, early to mid seventies. I think, I think, yeah. yeah, um, I would say, um, him, I, when it gets to the eighties, I here, here, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have uh, to, okay, uh, this is like, I think this is the, we got like one question after this. So I'm gonna try to get you off soon. Perfect. Um, oh, you're chilling. Oh yeah. You're chilling big time. Okay, let's go to desktop share. Let's go to Google. Let's. Oh, look! I was actually watching that earlier. Yeah. Look at that! Yeah. How ironic. Uh, I I think I was watching it because of my blood work. I was just kind of checking what range he he recommended. Yeah. Um. Okay. Was I gonna uh Mr. Olympia? Okay, come on. <laughs> Sorry, dude. This new. Mac, it, like I would, if anybody's in the in the uh, space for buying a computer, don't buy the new Mac. This fucking touch bar at the top is the most annoying. You have the touch bar? Yeah, I just got a oh, Mac. God. I got a touch bar. You got it with one? I got it without. Oh, dude, it's good like, fucking decision. Simple, it's easy, it gets me. Good yeah. fucking decision because I keep touching Siri. I keep touching all the stuff at the top, and I never use. I just and Siri just turned on. God fucking damn it. Um, 
And Siri turned on my phone too. Fuck you, Siri. God. Sergio, no, oh, and it turned on again. Okay, I'm never gonna. It's taking over my life. Um. Okay, here's 70. So obviously Arnold. Let's see, 75. Yeah. So I agree, uh, Arnold there. Probably still. Yeah, I think Arnold oh, came back. We, I think this is when Arnold came back, huh? Oh, Arnold came. Okay. Yeah, it looks like Franco's in some of these. Okay, let's do like 85. Let's just go mid-era. 85, I want to say, was probably right before Lee Haney. There's Lee Haney right there. So I think Lee Haney won probably yeah. there. Uh, I see. Is that Gaspari? I think Rich Gaspari. Let's see. Comparisons. Tom Platts. Tom Platts. I would say in this era, it's probably it's probably um, a Tom Platts. I really like his mentality. I think mm-hmm. he was a little overdone. Um, yeah. Who's this guy? He's got a phenomenal physique. I like his structure. That guy looks um, good. Yeah, uh, I would probably say. I mean, it's going to be both Haney and Platts from this era. Like, I really like them as people and as bodybuilders and physique wise. Yep. Obviously, Platts' legs were kind of a little overdeveloped for him. Right, um, he's a big leg guy. Yeah, Haney got a, and it has an amazing waist. Like, look at that. Insane. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Insane. Um, even by today's standards, I like that a lot. Okay, let's yeah. go to. So, 90s, we're starting to look at. Now we're Flex starting Wheeler. to talk. Oh, yeah. I'm, and I, I'm, I'm by Flex far. Sean Ray. Flex showed up 93, Bonnie. I think. 93, yeah. He looked great 93. I think that's when he was. Oh, I, then, oh yeah. Dorian. Dorian from the beginning of this area, obviously. Um, but I would say, I mean, my, my favorite physique of all time is Flex Wheeler. Uh, sure. and obviously that's, you know, who, why I got into bodybuilding, uh, yeah. cause I thought it was just so artistic, you know, and I kind of come from that background. So I think that's, um, he separates himself the most for sure. When it comes to body, there, there's a lot, of I don't even think, I don't stayed. think we've seen anybody like him. Yeah, um, really, really. Unreal. Um, unreal. And it, I had this debate with my buddy the other day of like, he was asking me, um, what, what would you rather come in? Would you rather see people come in? so shredded or would you rather see people um come in um like a little bit not like a little bit um like more full but not as shredded and right. i think i I've, i think i've always just preferred that and i think it's because flex you know he was just so round and he never sacrificed that that fullness to be shredded like right. to the bone you know what i mean and right. i think it really played well because of that fullness and that bubbliness and i think I mean, even Phil Heath, I don't think he's always the leanest, but I think he looks phenomenal yeah, because of definitely that. Definitely not, but Phil Heath looks great. I, it, it's yeah. always, in my opinion, the first thing that catches the eye, the aesthetics right. of the muscle belt. Yeah, and I think if you get too lean, you start to look stringy and you lose yeah. some of that aesthetic appeal. 100%. Um, 100%. But yeah, I mean, Dor- in, you know? yeah, but Dorian is phenomenal, obviously, um, but yeah. I would say probably the 90s, uh, Flex kind of takes the cake for me there. Um, yeah. 2000s, Cutler. Yeah, Jay Cutler um, guy. Yeah, Maybe I like Jay, Jay Keller. Keller. I love Jay Keller. Jay Keller, all, all around man, businessman. Yeah, um, yeah great business. Around. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie looked insane at this Olympia, like yeah. just fucking ridiculous. Like this, this right here, this fucking shit. There, let me view. This is ridiculous. Okay. This is, I think, Ronnie at 03. Yep. Oh my god, what the? Yeah, fuck? Ronnie looked. It, Ronnie was a different breed. There's some about no. his abs that don't really just. I, I I can't really his like, abs. Yeah, I don't. Oh, really, yeah, he kind of got like a total shoulder towards the end there. But but he, I mean, God, let me tell you, he was he was just another creature. Yeah, I would say, but from from the early thousands, Cutler in this Cutler, photo, yeah. especially Cutler is my that, favorite. That's when he rewon it. I want to say right. I think so. This was like when it was when it was uh really advertised the Cutler versus Coleman, and it was yeah. like battle. 
Yeah. Um, moving forward, let's say like let's say the tens. Um, that's a really difficult one. I mean, Phil Heath, I I like his physique, but um, I like Phil Heath's physique for sure. But he's different. I don't know. I, he's different. I don't like his personality at all, for sure. Yeah. Like, I think he's a cocky, uh, yeah. arrogant guy. He has me blocked on Instagram, so that's something. <laughs> I can't go to Phil Heath's page. Um, I don't yeah. know why. He, don't get me wrong. He, I mean, look again that that picture you kind of went over. He looks great in, but there's nothing about him, like in terms of mentality, personality. Yeah, personality. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that's a reason why we look at bodybuilders as yep. part of that. I mean. And to be honest, I Dorian Yates, I love Dorian Yates for his mentality. Yeah. His per, but to be honest, I mean, he looked good. But I, Flex Wheeler looks better than any of those guys. You know what I'm saying? My I agree. I agree. Um, but, you know, even well, even Flex Wheeler's mentality. I mean, dude, he was – I remember when he used to coach me over at Sprato and stuff. And he yeah. he, he has a, a, a very winning mentality. You know what I'm saying? Very really approach to it. Oh no! I, I mean, I commend him. I, I, I want to try to get him on. I don't know if he will uh, at some point, but I commend yeah. him for like all the this. I mean, to be able to come out of all the stuff, all the struggles that he has, and still be like that. I, I think people write that off and they say certain things about him without knowing him because we both have personally met him. We personally met his family, right? And without knowing him, but when you realize like all the shit that he's been through, like oh. holy fucking shit! Like to be able to just be himself, like to be a positive person all that stuff. Some people come yeah. out of the other side of that and they're like, just so everything's shit. Like, you know, yep. their life isn't put together. So, I mean, I commend him for all that he's able to, he's been able to push through and whatnot. So mentality wise, I look up to him in a major way because he's been able to overcome all the shit. And I'm over here, like, you know, especially when he's coached me, I'm like, I'm over here fucking worrying about how many carbohydrates I'm eating. And he's fucking like had his fucking leg amputated. Holy shit. Like, and he's able yeah, to fucking walk. Like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like my problems are shit compared to that. You know what I mean? And he's still on Instagram. Yep, yeah. Exactly. I know. You know what I mean? Like we, I went on live with him. Uh, you know, it wasn't I, I saw super that. far. I, I was so exciting to see. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. But you know, just to still have a positive outlook. He, I mean, even the ones before me that went on live with him, he was just so positive to them and helping them. Yeah. And you know, uh, Very so, no, I agree mentality wise. I think that's a good reason to look at bodybuilders, but physique wise too. One of yep, the, exactly. the best physiques yeah. ever. Um, I have yet to see too many people of this era that have like really impressed me. Nathan Diasha's structure, I love. Like, I don't know if you've seen Nathan Diasha. Mm-hmm. He's a newer bodybuilder from the UK, yeah. but again, the 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 attitude is kind of just shit. So, I'm just, oh, is it? See, that ruins yeah. it for me because I no, it does, it does. I really like how Philly Heath looks, but fuck, dude, I yeah. can't around with him. I think I think in the tens, I've still yet to have someone who really blow me away. I guess you know what I mean, yeah. like. When I was coming up and watching Cutler, I was like, holy shit. But I still really have someone yet to blow me away, have everything, have the personality, everything that comes along with it that really um, yeah. goes along with it. Okay. One last question. And I'll let you go. Um, opinion on Ian Vier. So this is, I talked about him earlier. Uh, Chris Bumstead's coach um, saying that he doesn't use the more, more than 500 milligrams of test in the off season. Uh, so he's saying he doesn't use more than 500. Yeah. And this is uh, you know, classic physique, Mr. Olympia, right? Is it okay? Um, I mean, let's see. In terms of uh, what does he cruise on five hundred? That's it. He doesn't. Run no, no. And this is his blast. His blast is five hundred in the. Office. Oh, his blast is five hundred. Yeah, I watched the video. It was on RX Muscle. I would like to add that they didn't say what other compounds. Like they just said, right. he only takes five hundred milligrams of testosterone, which could mean virtually damn near. You know, that yeah, could that's be- his base, right? I I would assume that they meant that he doesn't because guys do push their tests like 
to one gram to 1.5 grams. I, I think, yeah. yeah, completely unnecessary in my opinion. I think even at the highest level. Um, yeah. So I think even just saying that, as long as he's not taking two grams of other shit, it's probably a positive thing. Yeah. Um, but um, I would assume he probably takes stuff on top of that. Like he probably takes 400 milligrams of TEQ. I think that's still possible. I think it's possible for him to be where he's at with under a gram of gear, 100%. I mean, I've seen that with myself. 100%. Yeah. I mean, um, and 500 mix, people don't understand if you took like maybe an oral with that, you could get a shit ton of gains. If you are like, like, I mean, Chris is on top of his training and his diet. He's a, yeah. he's a world-class athlete. He's the Mr. F- Classic physique, Mr. Olympia, right? Yep. He is, doesn't fucking miss a beat when it comes to that shit. You add in 500 mix of test and maybe an anadrol, you are going to blow up. You are going to, and he doesn't have to grow anymore. Think right. about that too. Yeah. So um, I, yeah. I 100% believe it. I believe that he got there with maybe only 500 or maybe adding in a compound here and there. I, I 100% believe that. Important thing to look at too is the balance of it. You know, if he's taking 500, that means he's optimized his training to be perfectly in terms of recovery, nutrition yeah. to aid recovery. I agree. So, I, mean, I think when those, once you have all of those things, you're hitting on all cylinders, you have all those things available, and then you add in the drugs. Oh yeah, you will become a fucking monster. You don't need a lot, 100. Yeah. Because I think. Um, you know, doing the frequent injections, doing, getting enough rest and recovery, the way your body actually utilizes those hormones once they are, you know, maybe even added exogenously. I mean, it it works when they aren't, when they're just natural hormones, but when they're added exogenously, you still are able to utilize more of that. You know, Um, like I was talking to my buddy, I'm still starting to understand more about, um, you know, drug metabolism, things like that, pharmacology. But um, he was talking, I was like, I was like, well, why does, um, why does, uh, what's it called? What's the fucking process? Um, it's the basically the process of, of, you know, DHT conversion and, and all these negative side effects. And, and it's basically DHT, right? Yeah. And, but it's yeah. like, fuck, I can't remember what the process is called. Um, I'd have to look it up it's, later, but, yeah. but, yeah. but or, anyway, or the reason, right. Yeah. Some of it, uh, the, yeah. the reason why some of it happens is because you have excess, right? Right. Um, why right. does excess amount of aromatization happen? Why does it's when you're not fully utilized, your body isn't utilizing the hormone um, yeah, and it, it's, it's it takes other pathways, right? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. the basic understanding of what I have of it right now. And it's like, if you're, if you're constantly bombarding yourself with too much exogenous hormone and your body doesn't have enough receptors for it, it'll make more receptors, but those it'll also go to other places, right? It'll go right. to your scalp. It'll go to, you know, um, wherever else in your body where you don't want it right you want right. it in the muscle you want it to work in the muscle you want it to work the hormones to work in that way and so it's funny because the process is pretty simple if you again like for everybody watching too if you compare the testosterone and estrogen compounds itself all it has to do is cleave one bond once it cleaves that bond you got yourself estrogen yeah you know so the body could convert yeah yeah it, that makes sense yeah you know it's like it, oh we it, can just do this instead i don't have i don't have the space for this so right. And all yeah. hormones are the structure. They're sterols, you know. They're all similar ring, five ring structures. So, it. I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot to convert into a different type of. Think about what steroid, like like Dianabol's derivative of. They're all derivatives. They're all just altercations in certain um, uh, in certain bonds that just. It doesn't alter the structure of the sterol, but it alters the way it might react in the liver or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that makes me frustrated is that people don't believe it when he says that. And I, like I said, there might be some caveat to that, but, um, people just assume, and I think there's not enough people actually saying their dosages. 
But even right. then, when Lee Priest goes out and says his dosage or Dorian oh, Yates, Priest is he, so open. Yeah, yeah. yeah people are like, "Well, he's fucking lying." I'm like, "No, he's not." Like, yeah. do you really think people have to take three grams of gear to get like that? I don't yeah, believe so. And and you not know, for, I mean, like, look, I'm not a fucking pro bodybuilder yet, but I've I achieved a 285 pound um, physique. You know, not lean, but I was there. I was that yeah. heavy, and I had a decent amount of muscle mass without yeah. even even getting close to the doses some of these guys are preaching. Right. So I can, I can only assume that it's to get any bigger. I, I really think it's just that it's such push food harder and be able to utilize more food. And that's really, yeah. I've never, I haven't, I've actually lowered my dosages over the years as I've grown. Like yeah. people don't understand. I haven't gone up. I've just gotten better at nutrition and training to where those drugs are being utilized more. So I'll say it right here. I mean, I've, I haven't touched. Um, I, I, I have in the past got up to 15, 1.5 grams, right? I, I use 1.2 in the off season, maybe with an oral on top of that. Right. If that, if that, um, and, and I, I don't see any need to go up from that any, at any point, right. any point in time soon. And I hope more people can be open about that. And I hope more people can believe that, but always right. you're going to have people who say, no, you're lying. You're going to have people who take much more, don't work on their training and nutrition who are going to dispute that and saying, well, no, I have to take two grams. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have people who, um, are just lazy inherently and then they're going to believe that so really I, I, I think it all stems it all starts in the education yeah, if, most if you know what you're doing you know then then it, it makes it easier but a lot of people they, they really it's all it's all a stare you know this is what people say so i'm going to jump on it and then right they, well that, that circles back to the first question that jordan asks um is that you know why yeah. is everybody afraid of estrogen you don't have an understanding of these basic basic things you shouldn't even be touching drugs if you don't um and 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 you know, unfortunately, I think we all know a lot of people who do that and just take drugs and they're like, I mean, I'm sure in the college environment, you get people coming up, I'm, I just jumped on a cycle and you're like, Done. why? There's like, There's been many times where, where somebody's like, ah, I started taking tests. I'm like, all right, well, what's the cycle look like? PCT, what, what is your diet? Like, oh, I just uh, stick the needle in the bottle and then stick yeah. it in my body. I don't even know how much I'm taking. Yeah. You're like, uh, I, knew one, I knew one kid, I, a great guy, but he was taking his test and... Um, what happened was his he wasn't he wasn't um, his pull needle is his pull needle that he that he um, used to to get the the oil out. I guess he uh, I don't know if he didn't disinfect it or he reused it, oh, but God. it contaminated and he contaminated the whole vial. Yeah. So so he injected he was injecting his test like dude I got this fucking lump on my ass, and and you know it's it looks infected, and he went to the doctor he's like yeah dude it was just my draw needle my draw needle was you know I. And then he started taking the test again. I'm like, dude, you contaminated the whole vial, buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, I did that. I did that once. I contaminated a vial. I got an infection in my shoulder. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and, and that, but that's you know, over however many years. I think there's people. I heard a story of a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard monster stories of like people getting huge infections and not taking care of them and stuff. I mean, just the yeah. basic like having to sterilize your equipment, like. You shouldn't, yeah. if you can't do that properly, you should be, yeah. you know, looking at doing yeah. something else. Like, come yeah. on, dude. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to let you go here. It's been another two hours. Uh, but, but beauty, we covered a lot, you know? The, no, I agree. I think I'm, I'm going to like, I went back and like took notes on our last podcast cause I learned so much. And then I was able to go and research the shit. Like, like you saw, yeah, I, you I posted did. up uh, me you studying know? biology after, and, and, and yeah. I understood more of what you said today. So yeah, and you're getting uh, in the nitty gritty where you're talking about the Tata box and the, the, uh, promoters and all that. I'm, well, I got to start. I'm starting at the, I'm doing like the, the YouTube crash courses, you know, yeah. I'm starting at the basics because I want to used to study, man. Yeah. Well, I, I'm reading the first chapter of that book I showed you and yeah. it's like 
there's so much terminology that I'm like, what the fuck is this? I haven't even gotten to like the stuff I already know about, like the hypertrophy. I already know good, right. a good solid base foundation to that. But like the you know myofibril sarcoplasm, sarcoplasm, yeah, how, how, how we create, how we create more when you smile. Yeah. yeah, insane, insane. And, and I'm like still trying to conceptualize some of it. And yeah. it's talking about how those things adapt first. Like you're, you'll have more um, sarcoplasm or, or uh, you know, you'll, you'll, okay. those things will yeah. in, in response to training will increase to right. support it and adapt. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I, it took me so much like digging to find out, okay, well, what is sarcoplasm curriculum? How does the, the DNA RNA trans, transcription? Occur? Right. How does it translate? Right. God. Which is funny because I swear to God, I would be in class. And they're talking about some, uh, um, oh, oh uh, can you, you know, let's describe on how uh, the myoblasts eventually become myotic. I had to like, oh, shit, like searching up on my laptop. Again. Yeah, no, I was doing that. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go like do a full, like, it's not a college course, but it's, you know, at least some, because I'm like, shit, otherwise I'm going to be lost reading this book. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'd, do, I, I'd come home and go on YouTube and be like, all right, I need to see some conceptual of it so I can actually. No, I agree. That's you know, why school was so difficult for me uh, is I'm an audiovisual learner. Like I have those, that's why those videos are so useful. And that's why I, a lot of my understanding comes from researchers talking about their research. Right. I, I, I have a hard time sitting down and reading, but if a researcher explains it, um, especially in a digestible way, I, I got it. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yep. I watched the video a couple of times and it's in my head, you know? So yep. uh, someone that's to look up, you should, you should check them out because I found him and this is where I actually got invested in science like a year ago and why I'm even sitting here with you today is uh, Mike Isratel. Um, okay. He's, a, he, I don't know what his degree is in, but he is really, really well educated and he breaks things down in such a digestible manner. He's funny. Like we need more people like that explaining the science. You know what I mean? And I'd love to get him on here one day, but. It's weird because a lot of people are very, um, they're very like kind of obsessed with, all right, well, I need to sound smart. I need to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And yeah, they would use these words. Every time I had presentations, I, I'm talking to them like they're in first grade, you know, make yeah, it. That, I, that's know? something I need to do better because I definitely like tend to use terminology because yeah. I just, that's, you know, what I know. And, and I, and I think that's something that's going to be a part of the process that I move forward is I'm going to have to like kind of pull back a little bit and like use more uh, examples and things like that. Uh, because that's how, you know, if you can break it down to something where someone can even visualize it in their head, yep. they'll retain it so much better, yep. you know? So more examples, you yeah. did a good job of that at the last podcast where you're like, uh, you know, it's like this, you know, and then you, yeah use some analogy that's what i try to do because i was yeah. i was like that so i'm like well if i'm like that i'm sure there's many people like you know that right. you know how these people going out there talking about all this stuff and i'm just like typing i'm like what the hell is yeah this? and it's all individual based and then it's like all right and you have to look at you have to go back in your notes and you're like, you have to google 20 terms to be able yeah. to read a fucking yeah. sentence to, to, to put the sentence together and then you're like yeah. oh yeah, like I oh i got it like all right just 30 more sentences now. That's all it says, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, the, the fucking, you know, molecular, uh, like, like if you were to take a banana and like read all the chemicals off in it, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? And then just like, Oh, it's just a banana. Yeah. Yeah. Banana. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just right. So it, it's so easy. That's another thing is, 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 is the way people like kind of teach information. It's very, sometimes it's just like, Hey, break it down, you know, make it easy, put it in layman's terms so yeah. that cool. when they, when we do get a little more complicated, like certain professors get more complicated, some professors expect you know it out the gate, like, uh, all this stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, the problem is some of them can't accept the fact that other people, they, yeah. they can't remember when they were there. 
Right. And they can't be like humble enough, I guess. That's how I failed chemistry the first year, actually. Yeah. You know? So you should fucking know this. Like, no, I'm in a class, so you teach yeah. me this. Like, well, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to learn it. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I agree yeah. with you. you know? <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Um. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've reached out to a couple of people, so I'll keep in contact with you. Um. I may be doing some solo, but I want to get you on with like some of the science people's, just so you know we can kind of talk on similar terms. Maybe oh really yeah. Cool. So, um, I'll yeah. keep in touch with you, bro. I may <laughs> actually be going to the Reno area. Um, months i'll let you know um if it works out because i am moving yeah. so um are you are you what's what's i'm not moving there i'm moving to arizona okay. um, yeah 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 i was like my, dude let me give you you know what i'm saying i mean i right. i've considered it uh yeah. you know, we, we can get, i fucking like you here you know really if we do. get maddie to transfer credits over there maybe we talk yeah. about it maybe yeah. i'll come visit great, and, and scope great, out the area yeah i'm looking yeah. i'm looking for a place right now so oh are you yeah, yeah you can't really i don't know if you could even see it but if you look through that window I see. I just see myself. That that behind there, it's the university right there. I'm literally yeah. right across the street. That's awesome. Yeah, right because yeah, Maddie Maddie needs to go to school. I I can care less. I just want to be able to work out. You know, I want to yeah. be I want to be able to work from home and work out and maybe yeah. have you know a bartending job or something to make some yeah. extra money. But the podcast station. Maybe maybe I'll stop by because we were talking about going to Tahoe. So uh, maybe oh, yeah, and trust me, the weather's perfect for it too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to do something right now. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, I'll keep in touch. Uh, text me and uh, we'll we'll talk. All right, bro. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks again. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. It's been really cool conversations for sure. Great conversations. You know, yeah, I'm probably gonna go back and and the little things. Boom. Yeah. Right into it. You know, that's how I. That's the best way to learn. Well, yeah. and 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 you can piggyback off of it and like you know if something you're interested in, you can go research it. That's exactly what I did. So, yep. I mean, like even the things where I'm like I don't know what study, I'll probably go back and like look it up. So we right. can talk a little bit about it next time. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, okay? Go, go get some food in. Oh, right. dude, you know it. Have a good one, Dylan. Thanks <laughs> again, too. man. Peace.